Welcome everyone to Comics from the Multiverse episode 269. I am Peter and joining me as always is Matt. Hey, what's up? Connor is once again in the void. I'm sure he'll come back to us soon enough, but that is not today. Not today. Not today. Rejoice or commiserate, depending on your mood. He took his ball and went home. Or he's drunk, one of the two. He did. <laughs> oh, it's Connor, so what sort of ball are we thinking here? I, I, like, probably like a... He likes... I don't know, he likes... He, he does like soccer. I'm I suppose. Sure. Yeah. No, it's Connor. It's a billiard ball. Yeah. I was thinking... He loves the snooker. Like a shuttlecock? Yeah, that's not a ball, though. No, but it's... You, know, you it's, just, like, it, say that word like I do. It's a, sta- it's a stand-in for a ball, though. You know, it's yeah, it is. It's the equivalent of a tennis ball, yeah. but for, well, for, you know. God, badminton's such a stupid sport. <laughs> well, it's just tennis with a different. It's tennis meets volleyball. The base with a dumb, with the, with the dumb object. Also, this has nothing to do with me not being good at it ever, at all. So I think the appeal of badminton for the players is that because it's got a bit more of a. You know, a, a, a gliding. So it's not a ball. It's just got a bit of a float to it, right? So it's, it's got more of a sort of natural come down. So you can, you've got more time to kind of perfect your hit. Yeah. Whereas tennis is a bit so more, where, you know. This is where Pete reveals he is a badminton champ. It's the only sport <laughs> he's ever played. <laughs> no, no, it was in the rotation in PE in high school. So I, I played as much yeah. of that as I did anything else that we ever did. Gotcha. Uh, but you know, that said though. Uh, I did see see a a clip of uh, someone hitting a, a baseball with a steel chair this week, uh, so that was a thing. <laughs> yeah, you did. <laughs> Dude, are, Skype, are we back? Skype froze there for a second, so I felt like you were really drawn out yep. the suspense of that reaction <laughs> for no, a split No, <laughs> no, I, all I said was yeah, you did, and then it it froze, and so I was like, all right, I'm gonna wait. Yes. Uh, no, 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 comes no. Back because Skype's a real piece of work. No, that was the right choice. That was the right choice. Uh, mm-hmm. But hey, yes. So this is yeah. a DC Comics show. Chairman hit an RBI <laughs> in softball. Yes. With a steel chair, it was pretty wild. I mean, I imagine it's easier to hit the ball. I mean, the chair's got yeah. a lot more surface yeah. area, but just the fact that, and it's a softball, more surface area there too. You know, but still, it was pretty cool. When we played softball in PE in high school, because we didn't have actual softballs, we were still just using baseballs. The only difference was is that it was throwing like a softball. Yeah, so you're throwing underhand, yeah. just four people in the outfield. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. That's what it is. Anyway. <laughs> uh, DC Comics Podcast, we get together, we talk about the DC Comics we've read this week. Coming up on this week's show is a fifth week, so obviously it's going to be a shorter list than perhaps normal. Uh, we got Aquaman's 80th anniversary super spectacular underwater special. And Underwhelming. You've got, uh, <laughs> <clears throat> you've got Infinite Frontier issue 5, Batman Fierce Day Alpha issue 1, and Wonder Girl issue 3. Uh, I was going to do a Patreon book, but after reading one of the other books this week, I did not want to read another comic book for quite some time. Uh, more on that <laughs> soon. Uh, so I'll do that next week. Uh, but yes, that's what's coming up on this week's show. There's a little bit of news as well, of course, but not too much. Uh, you know, it's 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 just one of those weird end of week or end of month weeks. Um, 
Now, admittedly, by the time we actually record this and put the episode out, it's obviously the start of the next month. But, like, in terms of the comic weeks, it's the mm-hmm. end of the month. It's the end. Yeah. So, yeah, that, that that is pretty much it. There's some news, and the first the first bit of news is potentially worrying if you're a digital reader. Reader? Reader? Uh, <laughs> digital reader. Uh, so, obviously, Amazon bought Comixology ages ago. This has been years at this point. Uh, you were you have been suggested to integrate your accounts, right? If you've got an Amazon account, you've been tempted to merge mm-hmm. it with your Comicsology account, and they've been suggesting that for about five years or something like that at this point. Uh, which I think many people have because there's no reason why not to. Plus, if you do merge it, it means anything you buy. If there's a, if there's like a sale on Kindle, but not on Comicsology, if you buy it on the Kindle, you you get it on Comicsology as well. So like, there's no reason not to merge them. You have nothing but benefits. Mm-hmm merging them but uh coming soon it sounds like comicsology is just going to integrate with amazon and it's just going to be the amazon like comics app and amazon comic store uh the reason why i say this is maybe slightly worrying is that as of right now amazon's version of buying comics is not that good and there's like no shopping cart so you can't like multi-buy things you just buy things one at a time uh the the, the functionality and the worst possible thing about this is that this this could be a problem for the Comicsology top ten if they don't have their own top ten to look oh, at? Oh darn! On a, on a weekly basis, we might be in trouble there for that segment. I may have to find another top ten to look at every week. I'll find some. Don't worry. Yes, I, I'll find it. So, so somehow sales figures will return. Don't you worry. <laughs> um. Ah <laughs> oh, yay. But yeah, I mean, they're claiming it'll be faster download speeds. I'm like, they're comic books. Why? They, sh- they should not have been a problem before. It's, they're not that big. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I know when I downloaded stuff at work on the uh, off of the Wi-Fi, it takes like 20 seconds instead of, you know, five. You know? But that's because my, my work has poor signal. Um, but yeah, yeah. I, don't, I don't know how much faster it needs to be. I mean, on my... Know? On my internet, it shouldn't be taking more than a couple of seconds for a comic book to download, mm-hmm. so I'm not sure why it would get any really faster that's perceivable yeah. to my, my human like senses, but whatever, you know. They, they want to try and jazz it up and make it sound sexy. But yeah, so... Yeah, I mean, I, I guess we all kind of figured this would maybe happen at some point, and like, for whatever reason, they maybe want to just sort of start to get away from the comicsology branding and just make it Amazon's thing and like on on surface level there's no reason why that has to be bad necessarily but it's just mm-hmm. you know like I mean they're saying that it'll in, like Prime will be a thing where you know maybe you get access to some of the comicsology unlimited stuff if you're a Prime member and stuff like that so maybe that's nice but uh, honestly like content wise there's no concerns like everything's still going to be there I think the only concerns is that much like anything, when you have a perfectly working app that everyone's used to using, and then you go to something that's less, you know, iterated and less advanced and has still got kinks to work mm-hmm. out, all of a sudden a lot of the functionality you had before is suddenly maybe not quite there to the same extent. So Yeah, that's yeah it's like when stuff moves from a, a one streaming service to a different one, or or the different apps, and you're just used to the way that you had it, and so the new way just sucks, you know? So, um, it's like, well, why, why didn't you just port the way it already was? You know, like, it wasn't broken. So, hmm. Yeah. 
So, so some concerns there, but I mean, I'm sure like anything that is missing or anything that is wrong with it, they will fix over time. It's just really annoying that we may have to go through that phase of them yeah. having to fix things when there's nothing wrong with how comicsology works right now. So, right. so that, that, that that potential is a little bit sucky, but hey, uh, I guess we'll just all have to get through it and. Uh, one note I did see, this is not mentioned in any of the articles, but I, noticed, I saw people asking about this on Twitter. Uh, so one of the things that Comixology does on top of having regular big sales is that sometimes the sales are discount codes rather than just direct sales pages. Mm-hmm. And because Amazon doesn't really do that, uh, it does mean the days of the like the buy one get one free sales code and stuff like that won't exist. So the other big bad news about this is that if you were lucky and if you timed it well, Sometimes you could get overlapping sales from before where you could get the buy one free, get one free sales code to work mm-hmm. while another sale was like active and you could actually really make bank <laughs> with some really, really cheap comics. Um, it sounds like those days are probably also done because the codes are just not going to be a thing anymore. So that also kind of sucks. Admittedly, it was cheating the system a little bit, so I can see why they're not that fussed about taking that away from us, but mm-hmm. <laughs> it's another downside, so uh, keep that in mind, folks. Uh, so that's that news. Uh, not great news, but you know, not disastrous, I suppose. Uh, the other thing, just a small thing, uh, Daniel Sempier, uh, the artist, has signed a mm-hmm. new exclusive contract with DC and just teased that there's some. Uh, he's excited about drawing some of his favorite characters and some upcoming projects that he can't announce yet, so... Uh, big things possibly coming, but Sam Pierre's art's been very good. Uh, we've very good. Um, embarrassment of riches. So it's a shame we're losing him on action, but he seems super stoked for whatever he was working on. Mm-hmm. Which, and if it's like a much bigger project in the DCU, then awesome. Um, because that art needs to be seen by more people. Yeah, he's mostly worked with DC for the past decade, but this is, uh, mm-hmm. I don't know if this is the first time it's officially been an exclusive contract or if it's right. just a new exclusive yeah, contract, it, but. It had been little stuff here and there, right? Like, he did a couple fill in issues on, on, like, Suicide Squad, right? Mm hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, it was stuff like here and that, here and there. So, to him to be one of the premier, you know, names that, you know, the all our favorite uh, writers are going to work with. That's very exciting. Yeah, the, the books that are listed here in the article, he's worked on Batgirl, Injustice, Justice League Dark, Suicide Squad, and Mortal Kombat X. So, yeah. And obviously currently that's... on action. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's cool. Uh, obviously, the creator we like, and, uh, you know, every, every time we have a, the Sempere on a book, it means we don't have a GRGR on a book, and that's a win. That's, that's a win. That's just a win. There's no, no, no two ways about it. Uh, so that's cool. Uh, for some reason, I broke format slightly in this and did the news before the Comicsology Top Ten. But don't worry, mm-hmm. there's always time for everyone's favorite segment, the Comicsology okay. Top that's Ten. That's okay. We can go through news. It's fine. <laughs> oh, that's that's all the news. That's done. We just oh, had two, no, we, no, great. We just um, had two things. What, uh, <laughs> uh, what other news can I find? Um... <laughs> <laughs> I used to think that you didn't like the Comicsology Top Ten because it extended the length of the show. But if you're going to try no. and draw out the news no, like, before we get to it, then it's just going to make the show longer. I so. did the same. I don't know if they're still up, but the old movie show we used to do, talking about box office, I used to feel the same way. <laughs> you know, just right. numbers ranked. Uh, 
I mean, if people yeah. want us to add a box office uh, number section to the comics podcast, yeah. I- I'm more than happy to add yeah, that as a bonus okay. segment. I've already have seen the uh, man movie Twitter. I'm just I'm fed up with at this point. <laughs> I'm gonna stick back to hot. I can't wait for hockey season to start. And back to hockey. Don't have to deal with overexcited people spoiling Shang Chi for me before I get a chance to see it. Like, I get it, man. And, and the person that I'm talking about will never see this. And that's fine. But like, you don't need a 15 tweet thread on everything. All right. Just like I, something. I, I have a sneaking suspicion that I know who you're talking about. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and, it, and it's not on purpose. It's not like this person goes out there, but they just get very excited. And like, I don't know, maybe this, you know, bitter inner person here, you know, I, I don't know. But like, just, I get it. I'll be honest, I completely didn't realize that was out this week until people started mm-hmm. tweeting about it, and I was like, oh, I guess that came out this week. Which shows you yeah, where yeah, I... Yeah, no. It shows you where I'm at in terms of comic book movies right now, so, that I'm just not even paying attention to when they're being released. Yeah, so I'm, I'm excited for this, just because this looks like the Iron Fist that I wanted the show to be. So, it just happens to be a different character, but there, there's a lot of the same vibes. It looks like they're really leading into the, you know, martial arts aspect, and not the business debacle which yeah because when i think of iron fist i think of the company shenanigans yes and of course if uh, the meat gyms have got a selection of ice cream and if they do have a selection of ice cream for their loyal assistant do they in fact have any vanilla that's the important <laughs> thing than that show yes. uh uh but yeah so no i'm, I'm excited for shang chi and you know so just to, just to go on there you know last night uh after eating dinner and watching monster squad just browsing and, and seeing spoilers. And again, they're not hard spoilers, but it's just stuff that I would have liked to see on my own. I am you know? uh, completely indifferent as of right now, and I guess I'll see it when I feel like it after about 45 days or so. <laughs> Which is the uh, the window, apparently, when it comes to Disney+. Plus. That's the, yes, uh, yes, yes, yes. Uh, Which I get. I, I get with you, and, and uh, you know, after after Black Widow, I, I get not rushing out, you know. I like that significantly more than you did, um, so I, I, I get your hesitancy. Yeah, I mean, if this was available at home, I might, you know, take the leap, mm-hmm. but it ain't, so yeah. I'm good. Um, and I'm feeling kind of similarly indifferent to uh, Immortals, Eternals, Eternals. That's the that's what it's I called. don't know what it's supposed to be. People are very excited for it, and I don't like good. I'm I'm glad you're excited for it. The Eternals aren't a property i'm at all familiar like i at least know who shang chi is like i knew who he was so much that i was saying his name incorrectly the entire time i've been reading comics you know so um but i knew who that character was the eternals i know they're a jack kirby thing i think i believe that's um, correct and i know yeah. it ties in with with something to do with with cannonball from the x-men i know he got thrown around as an eternal outside of that i don't I don't know. But, like, that's what I probably am not going to rush out for. You know? Like... I mean, I I, I don't but... know them from comics. I, I didn't know Shang-Chi from comics. I didn't know Guardians from the Galaxy from comics either. I just... All the trailers just feel the same now. I just don't care. <laughs> no, they do. They do. But this one, this one had... At least Shang-Chi had the great uh, song in it that, that I like to hear. So, you know, that was a bonus. By the way, I found Slither on... Uh, speaking of Guardians... I found mm-hmm. Slither on on Prime 
right now. So if anybody hasn't seen it and wants to see James Gunn at his grossest, um, <laughs> it's it's there. You you like Suicide Squad? Uh, we're gonna watch. Yeah, I'm gonna have my wife watch Slither. She's never seen it. Mm. Um, Nathan, and, and I've warned her. Nathan, oh, I think she's seen his other movies. Just that's the one that has escaped her. Nathan Fillion is phenomenal in that film. Yes. Uh, yes. You also got Michael yeah. Ricker in there. Uh, it's just a, it's a hell of a little cast. It's a good, yeah, it's a, it's a fun B movie, you know. Uh, so, but yeah, so you brought up Guardians. Uh, same guy. You 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 didn't get Whiplash. Don't watch those back to back. Yes. Oh, speaking of Whiplash, Miles Teller. I've been saying for <laughs> years. I have been saying for years that man is a prick. He just comes across to me. He's got such a punchable prickish yeah. face, and it turns out he is a prick. So you know yeah. what? I'll accept everyone's apologies. <laughs> yep. Yeah. You know, it takes a, like, to play the type of characters he does, there has to be a little bit of it in there. But, you know, I guess I'm like, oh, he's just an actor. Uh, seeing what he did this time around, it's just like, bro. And that's not to say that I hate everything's bad. I still love Tool oh. to Die Young, because, you know, Refn is a genius and one of the current great minds in cinema. And, yeah. uh, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But, <laughs> but uh, yes. I feel how. But actually, cue, cue the uh, clip of uh, Brutal Nine Nine of uh, Holt saying vindication. That's that's vindication. Vindication. Uh, there you go. How, how are you feeling about Villeneuve's Dune? Because I don't care. I think it looks very pretty, uh, and I'm uh, excited because he's a good filmmaker. Okay. That is the most political I've ever heard you. <laughs> well, I, I mean, the trailer looks good. Um. It's, I think it is a very distinct visual style, and I'm 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 definitely like I'm definitely more into that trailer and more into that movie than I am any of the superhero trailers that I've seen recently. Wow! <laughs> so, you know, um, I'm just I'm kind of I'm sick of superhero movies right now. I really am. Like the only one that I am remotely excited for is Matt Reeves' Batman because everything that's like coming out about that movie sounds like. Like I've, uh, the people have been saying things like, "Oh, Riddler's kind of like, uh, like Zodiac killer esque." Yeah, like, like out of a, uh, I heard out of a Fincher movie. It just, and that's where I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah, it says it says like I'm hearing things about it that make it sounds like it's making it sound like a unique movie as opposed to oh, it's just another superhero movie. Well, I guess I I see all the hype for Dune, and I just I, you know how I feel about hard sci fi, and after Blade Runner twenty forty nine. I, I don't trust any. I just, I just don't. Yeah, so. but to be to to give some benefit of the doubt to Mister Villeneuve, because I'm not super huge on Twenty Forty Nine, although I think it is visually quite stunning. That is a sequel to a really dull movie. So true. So I, I, you I know. finally had this realization about two weeks ago, to where you know I, I just don't think I like Blade Runner. I, I like, it, I, I like parts of it. I love the aesthetic. I love I love Rucker Howard's Tears in the Rain speech. Mike, Mike, you're saying overall, you're you're saying things that I literally I I just said when we reviewed it on the Ace like a couple of months yeah. ago. Well, next no, yeah. we did the sequel like a, like a month ago. The first one we yeah. did like a year ago. But when we reviewed that, this is basically what I said: is it looks great, it sounds great. Uh, that speech that Rutger Howard gives at the end mm -hmm. is phenomenal, and I want to see the movie that that speech belongs to because that speech belongs yeah. to a much better movie. But the yeah. actual storyline of Blade Runner, 
right? Because all the concepts are great. The concepts yeah. of, like, you know, the, these replicants and, like, you know, the, the right to live and the right to have free lives and all yeah. the rest of it, all great stuff. But the actual storyline of that movie is Harrison Ford going, enhance, enhance, and then having lots of dull conversations with people as he tracks these replicants down. Yeah. It is so dull. And someone, someone goes, oh, you, you just don't like detective stories. No, I, I do. I love a good... De- <laughs> like, I, I... Up until a certain point, I defended True Detective Season 2 based off of the mystery, okay? Um, and it ultimately fell apart. Yeah, you're on your part. own with that one. That season yeah, was shit. No, that fell apart. <laughs> I should say have to. About two or three episodes in, I was like, oh, let's, let's see where this is going. And I was defending it. And then it, it fell apart completely in the last section also but, also the other problem with the original blade yeah. runner is that the romance element is completely forced and they have no chemistry and it's None. yeah i don't buy it so no yeah. and then so after 2049 i really want to love it because it's two of my favorite actors right you, you got gosling you got harrison ford and I, i'm gonna be honest with everybody i fell asleep i everyone <laughs> that i brought we was off for my birthday everybody they, was with me we, we all took a nap and <laughs> Yeah, middle of the day, too. This ain't no late night showing. Man, Dolesville. And again, I liked a lot of what it was trying to say. The visuals were, were amazing. I love that neon look, mm-hmm. you know, in the dystopia. But yeah, so I, I had the realization on Twitter the other day that I go, here's a take. How about neither of them are good? Like, if you like them, cool. Like, I'm, I'm a guy that defends Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. All right. I know what bad movies are. <laughs> all right. I mean, but both Blade, both Blade Runners are better than Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Say that. No way, sir. No way, sir. Because at least Kingdom of the Crystal Skull no, is fun. No, like, it's no, not no, like, no. I didn't make this clear because I'm going to be lumped in with you based on yeah. the fact that we share some sentiments on Blade Runner. I want to make it very clear right now that Kingdom of the Crystal Skull is a worse movie than both Blade Runners. I want to make that known that that is where I stand on this subject. Okay, <laughs> please, uh, David edits these right uh, in. Insert the uncut gems. <laughs> I disagree. Right here. Well, David splits up for the individual YouTube videos. This yeah. part probably won't be in any of those. This part will just be uh, on the full yeah. episode. Well, still, I'm not going to try to do Sandler, but I, I disagree. This this is Tangent City, and the Tangent City parts are exclusive to the full episodes. <laughs> gotcha. Well, speaking of full episodes, uh, let, let's get on with this stupid list in uh, <laughs> the top 10. We can. T- Talk about comics, and I can uh, I can go lift some weights and see Shang Chi. Oh, uh, <laughs> I will not be seeing Shang Chi uh, today. Thank you very much. No, Pete. You guys, let's get a let's get a social uh, uh, media movement going to make Pete watch King and Mother Crystal Skull. Why? Because <laughs> it's fun. But, of all the things to expel your effort on, why that? <laughs> Why making me watching Kate of the Fistle Skull for the first time in 13 years? Oh, man. I watch that movie at least once a year. <laughs> I have a problem. <laughs> you do have a problem. Got you with Crystal Skull talking to Superman with Quest for Peace. Like, everyone's got their weird, <laughs> like... I'm not saying it's the best sequel. In fact, it's the worst Indiana Jones movie. However, it's still a lot of fun. And I would rather have fun... In a bad movie, then then be bored to sleep by a classic. Yeah, I'm using finger quotes for the listeners. You say that, but like a modern dumb movie is just as boring to me, or more boring because it's inane. 
Yeah, but Crystal Skull, this is a conversation for a whole other time. People beat up on Crystal Skull because the internet tells them they should beat up on Crystal Skull. I, it, it's, look, it's not the best Indiana Jones movie, but I wouldn't say it's a bad movie. There, there are it is a bad movie. It's not a bad movie. It's a boring, bad movie. No. no. Yeah, yeah, in fact, you know what? I also, I want to say something, right? I want to say something. I haven't watched the whole movie because I haven't seen it in a long time. But I did see the first, like, uh, five, ten minutes of Last Crusade. Yeah. Now, I still like that movie. But I do want to say that revisiting the opening, the flashback part of that movie, is that I do think it's actually really silly that everything that makes Indiana Jones, Indiana Jones, yeah. happens in the space of about one ten-minute section of his whole life. Yeah. It's great. It's it's that's what makes it so pulpy. It's a subset. Like again, mm-hmm. this is where George Lucas is a genius when it comes to stuff like storytelling, not directing, mind you, but in storytelling, it's you got to see the the iconic origins of our titular hero set against a story that is supposed to be his last. Last is in, so you see where he started, and he rides off into the sunset at the end. You know, again. Lucas, Lucas had some moments. He hasn't had any in a very long time. But in 1989, he had some moments. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> Hashtag Nate Peek watch Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. K-O-T-C-S. Ha- ha- Hashtag Blade Runner is better than million, Crystal Skull. Million dollar question, Pete. Uh-huh. You got you gotta watch one. Kingdom of the Crystal Skull? Or Attack of the Clones. Oh, Crystal Skull. There you go. If it's between Attack those, of the if it's actually be- bad movie. If it's that, pre- that's the difference. That's an actual. <laughs> well, bad no, movie. no, 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 no. You're just lowering the bar so much right now. They're both bad movies, but one's a bad movie, and the other one's one of the worst movies ever made. Right? That's the <laughs> that's the two layers here yeah. we're looking at. I'm just saying it's a it's a it's an objectively bad movie. Yeah. Which came with the no, no. You, you, you're talking about a, a four out of ten, a one out of ten. They're both bad, but they're they're still this at those is why levels. Stuff is done, Pete, because I Crystal Skull is at least a six out of ten. <laughs> that's just delusional that's mad talk that's like oh. this, this chaos is what it is dogs and cats living together <laughs> this, this is this is deluded loving quest for peace levels of delusion alright that's what that is alright because uh, Indiana Jones is the full title but I can probably go to wiki and I type in kingdom of the it's not one of the first things that, that comes up then I forgot. Oh yeah, they, they added the whole. Because no one wants to talk about Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. That's why. <laughs> Even Google's like, you sure? Hey. You you sure you didn't hey. mean like, Mulholland so, Drive so, or something better? <laughs> so so I'll just say, not that Rotten Tomatoes is the you know end all be all. Rotten Tomatoes has got a seventy eight percent. So. It's, uh... That is, do you know what? That is my, That is proof that the Rotten Tomato system is flawed. <laughs> That's what that is. And we're gonna, we're gonna go to uh, the Attack of the Clones. I bet this is far too high. The critics love to jerk off the Star Wars cock. They love it. I oh, don't say that. I hate that sentence. They do. Sixty-five percent. That is absurd. That is an absurd that, score for that high. movie. Uh, it's easily it's easily the worst Star Wars movie. I, I yeah, I agree with that. That's the worst one. Yeah. 
And I'm a lot lower overall yeah, <laughs> for yeah. Star Wars, but that is easily the worst one. This is why I wish Connor could weigh in. And his his stupid generation would probably be like, you know, there's, there's some actual good elements to Attack of the Clones. And I'm like, well, I, I, I'm like, I see these people who are like, Revenge of the Sith's actually quite good. Like, piss off. No, it's not. Revenge of the Sith is garbage. Anyway. I'm one of the people that have said that, so I take that as an attack. <laughs> Look, Phantom Menace is a shitty movie, but it's the best of those three, okay? Phantom Menace yeah. is better than Revenge but of the Revenge Sith. Is the best because, Pete, out of anybody that would appreciate Anakin killing younglings, it should be you. Yeah, that's, I mean, yeah, that idea is good. That one idea, that one scene <laughs> is pretty good, but. <laughs> but the rest of it the actual tragedy of him turning bad is a bunch of nonsense i don't care you don't make me like this version of anakin i don't care about his dumb weird creepy girlfriend that was much older than him in the first movie what are you going you ever heard of the tragedy of darth plagius the wise of the what now you ever heard the tragedy of darth plagius the wise Darth Plagues the Wise. I thought you said Darth plagiarizes the no, Wise, but no. okay, go on. Darth Plag- no, that's what, that's that's how Anakin's downfall begins. It is with that story from the Emperor. Oh man, I hate this so much, Matt. I, I hate all <laughs> yeah, of it. Let's talk about let's talk about uh, the the top and uh, <laughs> you know your your comicsology list. Yes, yes, comicsology top ten, everyone. Uh, timestamps do. Last time I drink two cups of coffee before I come on. <laughs> timestamps do exist for a reason, just in case you're mad at us for that tangent. There's timestamps in the description. Always. Um, all right. So, what do you think number one is, Matt? Top ten DC book. Uh, from this week, let's see. Is it a DC or a Marvel? It is a DC book. Uh, let's go. Fear State Alpha. It is. If in doubt, go Batman. Uh, so that's number one. Number two is Hellions. Issue 15? Uh, that's an X book. Yes, so, it is, yes. Oh, it's got, it's got Psylocke and uh, Mr. Sinister on the cover. What is this, the 90s? Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, then we got Infinite Frontier issue 5 at number 3, so that's doing well Good enough. Showing. Good showing. Yeah, not bad. Then you got Star Wars The High Republic issue 9. And at number 5, we got New Mutants issue 21. And then we got Avengers 48 at number 6. Is that a new run, or is that still Aaron's, like, numbering? I know I it's not it's Aaron. Aaron's. I'm so, be- I'm so behind on Marvel, I'm not sure. Um, I do know, I fell off with the Heroic Age stuff. Oh. That they were doing, not the Heroic Age, uh, Heroes Reborn. Um, so, oh, it, it is yeah. still him. I, I, I assume yeah. that he still has finished writing it, but I was just wondering if it was the same volume. Like, part of me yeah. thought that because Marvel sometimes double ships so much, that mm-hmm. maybe they'd started a new series and then it would, uh, that would yeah. for it. I guess they yeah, slowed no. down and it's been one a month for a while then, but... Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so that's number six. Now, number seven is Dark Ages issue one. Uh, another Marvel book. Uh, and then we got Sinister War issue four. Also Marvel. Then we got Rivers of London issue nine. Point three? What? What is that? What is this? Uh, this is from Titan Comics. Um, I have no idea what this is, or why it's. Uh, it's obviously an indie book, but I don't know. Uh, why it's such a hit on Comicsology, apparently. <laughs> but fair play to it. Good, good for it. Yeah. Good for it. Uh, now number ten, we do actually sneak in one more DC book. Uh, Wonder Girl issue three sneaks in okay. at number ten, so that's nice at least. Uh, Batman Superman annuals just after that at 11, and uh, the Midnighter annuals just a couple below that. Uh, and then that's pretty much uh, Where's 
Oh. Where's Marvel's Dark Ages at? That was number seven. Oh, it's seven. Okay, I missed. I missed that part because I was looking for Rivers of London. Uh, on here. Uh, yeah. They don't come up alphabetical, so it messes me up. Um, uh, did you pick up Dark Ages? No. Because <laughs> no? that's, that's Tom Taylor's new one. Over I, at Marvel. I, yeah, I am aware it's Tom Taylor. I mean, maybe I'll read it later if I hear it's great. Gotcha. But yeah, uh, I, I, I had a, anything I with his name on it, my my shop puts in to my my box yeah. for me. So I that's picked it up fun. on a whim. I haven't read it yet, but um, he he's doing the old how many people, how many of your favorites am I going to kill shtick, <laughs> and it's 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 actually funny when it's people you don't care about. You know, when when it's not beloved DC characters, you can look back and laugh. Yeah, so. there's a, a DC sale of some kind on just now, because I'm noticing that uh, both parts of Doomsday Clock, Why the Last Man, vol Book 3, not even Volume 3, it's Book 3, it's the thicker one, so, in fact, that's actually a really good price. Uh, book 3, which is like 10 issues of Why the Last Man, is only 2.39 in UK pricing. Mm -hmm. uh, are all five of the volumes that price? Because that's actually really good. They are! So you, you can actually get the entire Why the Last Man run right now for uh, basically like 15 to 20 dollars that's all 60 issues uh, read all that for the for the show yeah the show's uh starting soon this month so uh which is right, so rivers of london is is based off of a book series so it looks like it's a comic adaptation of a popular fantasy series mm. which would make sense why it's so high that's um, neat. yeah so acquiring minds wanted to know yeah, so there you go. Uh, I'm sure there's a bunch of other stuff on sale as well. I, I, it seems it might be a line wide sale just because it's uh, it's like spattering of different things. Yeah, it's Labor Day sale, so it's line wide. Okay. Yeah. Uh, to be fair though, those prices look very good, uh, mm -hmm. compared to normal. So that 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 is a super late. Like, in fact, that those prices are lower than they used to be, which is surprising given that the sale prices got really bad when all the comic book mm -hmm. prices changed. Uh, right. in the UK or in Europe not that long ago, like you know, a couple of years ago. Uh, so this is easily the cheapest I've seen the things. So if anyone wants any DC trades on Comixology, I would recommend going and checking them out. Uh, the sale ends on the 6th of the month, which is Tuesday. So when this goes up, you'll have a couple of days to go buy stuff. Uh, so go look. Go look. Alright, there you go. That's the Comixology top 10 uh, for the week. I think that was fine, Matt. You got through it. Barely. Got through it. It's fine. We survived. All right. Let us talk about some comic books then. Aquaman 80th anniversary super spectacular issue one is what we'll start off the show with. Uh, I'll give you all the the story creators in a second when I get the contents page up. But uh, I will start off by saying that this is probably the worst of these <laughs> 80th okay. anniversary specials that we've ever had. <laughs> I'm 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 glad I'm not the only person because not... I did not enjoy reading this. I mean, I, I, uh, I, I didn't enjoy reading that. I will say it's not terrible. It's not like, I, I wouldn't say like all the stories are terrible, but as a whole, it's just so mundane and just mediocre. And there's, that... there's no flow to the stories. Whereas I felt like a lot of the other 80th kind of had a lot of fun. Like think about that Liam Sharp story in the Catwoman one, right? They kind of played with her, her origins and time as, as Catwoman, like the different stuff. There's none of that here. Like these are all just like a smattering of Aquaman stories, and honestly, I feel my dude Arthur deserves a little bit better. 
Yeah, this felt this this one definitely felt like a cash grab. This to, what's what's annoying about this is that I I often bring up a problem I have with these anthology books, which is that a lot of the stories, even when but some of them by very good writers, fail to be good stories on their own, and they tend to be these weird snapshots where they've got one idea, right, one statement they want to make about a character. Mm-hmm. And they'll tell a story that's not really that much of a story. It'll just kind of make that point, and that's it. And then it's over. And you don't really feel like you've gotten much of a journey out of it. You don't feel like you've gotten much of a, a an arc out of it. It's just kind of a statement. And yep. this suffered from a lot of that. It also suffered from not having really any kind of showpiece. Like, usually there's one or two that are really great, and you can sort of like, okay, that's your tentpole stories, and then the rest kind of make up the, the rest. It didn't really have that. You know, the yeah. ones by the few creators that I really like in this, I, 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 they weren't bad, but they weren't, like, special or that, that you well, know, amazing. And here's the thing, like, there's no, like, like, yeah, you have a Jeff John story and he had a big, huge run on the character, but, like, where where was the, the Abnet story? That was surprising. You know? Yeah, I was surprised and there was where, no where, where was the Kelly Sue who just wrapped up the most recent, you know, solo title? And it's just, like, I don't know. It, again, these all just felt like stories they had lying around and they just threw them all together so Aquaman can have an 80th, which I just like I get especially salty about this, pun not intended, that that there's no Aquaman book out right now. So like if Well, there's, you, there's about to be two in a, in a way. Two minis, though, right? Like they're not yeah. ongoing. Well, yeah, but there were some articles this week saying about how the uh the Aquaman, you know, rising ones, setting up more Aquaman stuff for next year. So there's going to be more Aqua okay. family well, stuff. Well, that, that's at least light at the end of the tunnel, but I still, on this one, like, there's no... I don't know. It just, it didn't feel like it was necessary. Not it, that any of these are, but, like, it didn't even feel like a celebration of the character. No. Just like, here's some Aquaman. No. Hey, well, here's, here's some Aquaman stories. I mean... I mean, you can say a bunch of that. I mean, you can say why are some of these notable creators missing. I mean, they may just not want to do it. I mean, it's not, it may nicely be DC's fault, you know? Especially, like, Kelly Sue, I could see being just gone because she's not really around doing anything else. I mean, I find it hard to believe that Dan Abnett's not <laughs> rearing to go, but, you know, whatever. Uh, but, you know, I mean, I, I want to ignore all of that and just look at the quality of the stories themselves. And basically what it boils down to is that this is an 80-page... Sorry, it's a 100-page, sorry. 100-page, 80th anniversary special which is all of the stories that feel like the ones that make up the rest. Rather than, you know, it's missing mm-hmm. those two or three really good stories and then the rest kind of make up the numbers. This is just stories making up the numbers and ultimately that's very, very unfulfilling to read. Yeah. With, I mean, there was one that I did hate reading, but we'll get to that when we get there. Anyway, I'll, I'll, I'll read you the list of uh, stories and creators because I'm not going to, you know, necessarily know them all at the start mm-hmm. of each story. Uh, so the first one is called Foxtail. That's by Jeff Parker. And I was delighted to see his name. It's been a while. Uh, mm-hmm. And I do want more Jeff Parker books at DC. Uh, that's Doc Shainer on art for that one. And then there's Father's Day by Jeff Johns with Paul Pelletier on the art. And then we got Lady in the Lake by Michael Morecci with Pop Man on art. And then Multitudes by Stephanie Phillips with uh, Hendry Prasetya on art. And then we got It's a Family Affair with Sean Aldridge writing and Tom Derenick on art. Uh, and then we got The Rain Maidens with Margaret Bennett writing and Trung Lee Wynn on art. And then Between Two Shores, Kevin Scott writing with Scott Eaton on art. 
Then What Remains of the Storm uh, by Dan Waters writing and Miguel Badoncha on art. And then Rebellion, Dan Jurgens writing, Steve Epting on art. Red Sea, that's Chuck Brown uh, writing with Valentine DeLandro on art. No, that's Chuck Berry. I was about to crack a joke, but I was, no, it's Chuck Berry's the, yes, the artist. Yeah, not Chuck Brown. Uh, <laughs> uh, it was not. It was not Marvin Brown. No, no. That's your cousin yeah. Marvin. You know that new uh, comic writing style you've been looking for. Yeah, you know the storytelling style you've been looking for. Yeah, well, look yeah. at this. Uh, and then foreshadows the final story with Brandon Thomas writing with Diego. Uh, Olartige, if I'm, I'm probably butchering that last name, apologies, but uh, no, close, close enough. Uh, that's what I would go with. Yeah. Uh, so I would say out of all these stories, there is there's one that I'm going to be somewhat positive of, and I don't know if you'll there, guess which one it is, but no, there there were three that I enjoyed. All right, the rest sure. of them were just kind of middling. One I, I thought the voice was really bad for. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Um. And so we'll we'll get there. Yep. Uh, I, I was I was feeling kind of down on the art for a lot of these, and then it it did pick up towards the end, but there was a few in the row that were better. But there was definitely a, a you know, and not, not the first one. I mean, Doc Shainer obviously is very good, but uh, right. you know, after that, I felt like there was a bit of a a weird big gap for me in terms of good art. Mm-hmm. But anyway, uh, so yeah, the Fox Tale. Uh, this is about a, a giant sea creature that's uh, trapped a, a submarine in the ocean, and Aquaman tries to like, get the creature to let go, but can't, and then it turns out that it's actually the sub's like, so- like sonar weapon that's like hitting it, that's uh, mm-hmm. causing chaos with it, so uh, basically Aquaman, you know, has to deflect the missile and eventually take the hit, and then, you know, disable the weapon, it let, you know, lets uh, the-, the sea creature finally let go. Uh, he has a little flashback moment to when he had to learn about how he's dog like would have something Faulty. in his ear yeah ba- basically the idea that he's used to like sea creatures just like doing what he tells them to or right. understanding what he's asking but you know they had to learn that oh no there's some the reason why the dog's acting weird is because he's got something stuck in his fur and this was kind of mm-hmm. the same you know, logic yeah which this felt very much like an Aquaman story though like this this i would have expected in like an annual type of story you know where it shows Arthur's relationship to what's going on in the ocean, you know, and how you know most of his superheroics is stuff like, "Hey, why are you messing with with my realm here?" Oh, for sure. You know, I, so of course, you know, I want to make so it clear. I, it kicked off pretty well. I want to make it clear that yeah, I don't think this story's bad. I actually think it's perfectly fine. It's just and it is one of the better ones, sadly. Like you know, I, I like. When I read this before I read the rest of the book, if you told me this was one of the better ones, I would have felt a bit disappointed because I think with this one, I was like, I really like Jeff Parker's stuff with Aquaman. Mm-hmm. And this, I was kind of expecting maybe a bit more than this was. Like, it, you know, it's, it's it's fine, even good. But, it, mm-hmm. you know, it, it wasn't necessarily, like, up to the expectations I had. Um, But, yeah, that's basically the story. And he says, ah, yeah, you're going to stay away from the, you know, the waters mm-hmm. with your weapons and or else, <laughs> and sends them back. Uh, he lets some whales guide them home. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, yeah, that, that's basically that first story. Uh, the art's very good, though, because it I, is Doc I Shainer. The art, yeah, it's Doc Shainer art. It's really good. You can tell, like, you know, he has a vibe for Arthur that he likes to capture, where it's in that kind of pulpy Doc Shainer style, but also feels modern at the same time. So it's, mm-hmm. 
it's cool to see Shader on something like this because I'm I'm only used to seeing him on like you know the Strange Adventures vibe or what else has he done? He's done a couple smaller stories here and there. Does a lot. Uh, uh, he, t- he tends to tend to hire him to do a lot of the new covers for the Silver Age yeah. omnibuses and stuff like that. Yeah, they love to get him for that. You know, but this you could tell he was having a lot of fun. Um, like the sea creature looks real cool. You know, so it's fun to see him drawing that type of stuff too. Yeah, I yeah the, no, I, the interiors I thought, on the sub look good, I thought, with the red light yeah. and uh, mm-hmm. all that. Yeah. Yeah. So I just, I thought, okay, this is starting off pretty okay. Um, and all right, uh, no, no issues yet. And then we got to, <laughs> well, no, then we get to like pinups. Where why? In well, our oh, page... well, they're not pinups. They're actually just old no. covers. Uh, old the, covers. The, the, the most interesting thing about it is that it has like, so the first one's like uh, one of the Sajic Aquaman uh-huh. covers. And it says first appearance at the bottom. So each of these covers are of a different character. So then the, the yeah. second one that's right after it's Mira. And it's like, you know, first right. appearance, Ackerman 11, 1963. That was the most interesting thing about these. Because I, I was like, oh, some of these other, not Mira so much, but I was like, oh, when, when right. was the first appearance of Ocean Master? Right. When was the first right. appearance of so-and-so? Uh, right. But they're not, yeah. Most of these other specials got new pinups done by artists yeah. for these things. And that's where I get it. Now, I was like, that was my first clue that something was off. Because I was like, well, cool. I like seeing Cedric art, but this was a cover. This isn't a new Cedric piece. Yeah. I, yeah, so, I, yeah. And I recognized the Mira one, which is also by Cedric. I didn't recognize all of them, but yeah. I'm assuming they were all old covers. Just because that was the trend in this yeah. book. Which, yep. it, it just makes you feel a bit more budget. It feels like, oh, they didn't mm-hmm. pay some artists to do some new art. Yep. So, yeah, that was a bit weird. Uh, yeah, then we have uh, a Jackson... Story, mm-hmm. uh, about his relationship with Black Manta and how they actually meet once a year on Father's Day uh, as a weird kind of father-son get-together and the conversation apparently always goes the way Jackson says you need to turn yourself in for all your crimes and then Black Manta says no and then they fight and then Black Manta or sorry and then Jackson is really really sad because Black Manta is not really there. It's basically that that beat in a Spider-Man Homecoming where Tony's not yeah. really there and he's pissed about it. Apparently this mm-hmm. happens every year. <laughs> do you know what really got me about this? And this is the Jeff Johns story, right? Yeah. So I'm shitting on Jeff Johns here, which is not something I normally do when it comes to his writing because I, I tend to like it. Mm-hmm. But this to me is like, so there's that great episode of Batman the Animated Series that establishes that every year on Christmas Eve, maybe it's New Year's Eve, uh, Batman and Jim Gordon meet for uh, a drink, right? Uh, mm-hmm. For like a, a coffee or some pie or something. And it's a tradition that they started doing. This is like a really crappy version of that, where the idea that they have this same fight every year is actually really silly. <laughs> oh, it's like, how, wait, how long has Jackson known that Black Mantis is dead? Yeah, he's still like a teenager, right? So, yeah. So, so like, they've been doing this for two years? Maybe if, at the most four, like at the absolute most four. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, and I like I like both creators. I like Pelletier's art. I I mean John's one of my favorite writers of all time. This just felt lazy. I mean I, I I'm okay with the idea that them they they're meeting once a day every yeah. year and it's actually kind of sweet. But when as the story went on, it revealed that they always have this fight and it always ends with he's not really here. It's just a robot that he's talking through. Like yeah. really. This every year? It just, I don't know, it made it all just feel really stupid. I don't know. I, I uh, yeah. So it was like, okay, the Jeff John story was a disappointment. That's not a good sign. <laughs> nope. That's not a good sign yeah, for one so, of these. 
and, and there's so much there too that's in the layers like what we know about black manta and his dad right mm-hmm. and how they were close and then so of course i like the idea that like deep down black manta wants a relationship with his son but he also has to keep up his black manta shtick but it spends most of the time with jackson yelling at him that you're a bad guy and it's just like i don't i don't understand this story you know nope. Um, so, yeah. Oh, should we have been rating these as we go? Should we rating these? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I kind of, I kind of want to. I think it'll be funny. The first, the first one's a seven, uh, and then this second one uh, for me was like a five. What were you saying, Matt? <laughs> uh, I, I liked the last. So I'll, I'll say the first one was an eight, and this one was like a. I'll give it more points than I should because I like the art. Uh, it was a six. Let's see uh, how low. Can we go? Hello. Oh, it's going to get real, real low. <laughs> uh, next up. Uh, so it's Aquaman and Garth. Uh, this is the uh, Marechi story. Now, I think Marechi did some filling issues with Aquaman, if I remember right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't remember liking them that much, which is not a good sign. Uh, also, mm-hmm. the art here. Pop Man. I, I don't know if I. Like, I feel like I might have liked some Pop Man art at some point, but I don't like it here. I feel like here the, there's too much of a sheen, so that could be the ink and the coloring. But I I agree. There's been Popmon stuff that showed up before. I think it was in the Super Sons Woman. I was I was maybe say, Super Sons. Yeah, I think maybe some Super Sons stuff by Popmon. Maybe I just remember I I remember the name popping up in a special thing like this. <laughs> oh, did the, 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 the Robin? Did Popman pop up? Did the, the, the name pop yes. up? <laughs> um, it did. Uh. Yeah, I don't know. So this is just a story where they go to fight some villain, uh, some generic was it Vivian, some purple cloak. So it's it's the Lady of the Lake. Okay. Uh, from, oh, that's like, right. This gets all Arthur. Legend. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, uh, yeah. she starts talking about taking the sword out of the stone. Um, it's mostly just them fighting with lots of like art. That honestly, the art in this, it had that kind of like. I'm having a hard time paying attention and looking at the layouts mm-hmm. because it's just all just kind of blending together and looking kind of lots of squiggles, lots of you know purple mm-hmm. magic energy firing about. And once you get to you know it being just straight up King Arthur stuff, like I'm just kind of like falling asleep at that point. But yeah. I, I know Connor probably. Uh, I don't think he's going to read this because he's he's missing this week and he's, he won't go back and read this big right. you know hundred page special. But yeah, I, I thought of Connor as well with this one, but I even with this, I was just like okay. We're doing King Arthur. I get it, Arthur. Well, King that's King. not that's not why I thought. I, I, I didn't think of Connor for that. I thought of Connor because this was a disappointment. And when I think disappointment, I think Connor. <laughs> it also just happened to have King Arthur stuff in it. But <laughs> yikes! That, 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 that's a big yikes. Um, oh, come on! Sometimes you see the opportunity for a joke. You have to take I it. I know. So, but yeah, and then it just kind of you know, Lady in the Lake. He pulls the sword out of the stone, and that's a story. Like there's there's kind of just like it ends. That's my big problem with a lot of these. A lot, just, yeah. Well, that, that's what I was talking about with the. the it's, it's just, it's just a statement, and then it's over, and that's it. That, a lot of these feel like that, and this is yeah. They're just like, oh, it's the last page. I guess we're done. Uh, they win, the end. <laughs> there you go. Uh, so I, I did not like the art here. I didn't really like the action, which is what most of the issue is. Mm-hmm. I don't really give a shit about tying it into King Arthur stuff. That doesn't get any like nostalgia or like points for me. And on top of all that, uh, it was just kind of a chore. So I'm giving this a three. Oof. I'll, I'll give it a five. 
All right. Uh, oh, sorry. This the because the, the Jackson is next. This is not a a cover. This, this is, is like, not a cover. These are just designs. But yeah, this is back, yeah, yeah. This is for, but this is this is from the the back material material of another book. Yeah. yeah. Uh -huh. And then there's a Black Manta cover. Uh, as the next one. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, a Ryan suit cover at that. Uh, yeah, I go? believe this was a. Uh, oh no, this looks pretty new. What black mana? Like, yeah, it sounded like it was. I felt like it maybe it was from the New Fifty Two run, but uh, that's Arthur's new look. In yeah, there. yeah, and it's Ryan Sook, so, so I, I would say that's probably from like the the last run we had. Yeah, I can't name you the, the issue, but off the top of my head, but. Uh, and then we have the story. It's called Multitudes. This is the Stephanie Phillips writing with uh, Henry Perseta on the art. Um. So, I mean, mate, like, I I'm not an expert in every era of Aquaman. Is there a particular era of Aquaman that this outfit and, like, hair and this general vibe I, is from? I believe, I believe so, but I'm not that familiar with it. He looks like Quicksilver to me. Yeah. <laughs> the Marvel character Let's Quicksilver see. for anyone uh, playing at home. Yes. Uh, yes. Yeah, so this was from an era, um, the blue camouflage suit I'm trying to see where it comes up at it was a quicksilver or actually do you know what it looks like he was auditioning to be on the fantastic four and they didn't let him in so now he's <laughs> so now he's just hiding I think this was from the, the late 80s yeah okay so it's from 86 so it's of this era um I'm looking 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 but yeah this so like I want to like Stephanie Phillips a lot. This story was a mess though. Yeah, this was Arthur travels back in time somehow, uh, and runs into Arian, the previous you know one of the old kings of Atlantis, and they end up fighting a bunch of wolfmen together. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, again, a lot of the a lot of this story is just fighting. Um, and here's the thing, see when you only have like 10 pages for your story, I feel like the last thing you want to do is spend it on, on a fight scene. Like, it, it's, yeah. it, you know, it's, just, it's the least story advancing stuff you can do. Uh, honestly. Um, but yeah. So basically he helps them fight off the, the Wolfman, uh, he sort of reads his mind to sort of see where he's from, and he's like, oh, you're Arthur Curry from the future! You're special and important, and don't be sad that your brother's dead, you, you will go on and, and do many great things. And it's been, the whole story is basically just Arthur trying to get over the fact that he's maybe just failed too many times, and at the end he's like, no, no, I should look for, towards the future. The end. Hmm. That's basically it. Yeah. Uh, uh, the art's better than the last one. It's better than the Pop Man art. I'll, I'll say that, but I, I wouldn't say I like it that much either. Yeah. It, it's fine. It's decent art. Um, yeah, this is the... Who is this? The Hendry... Prosadia. Um no, it, it's fine. It, it feels like an Aquaman book. You know? But yeah, I'm I'm just trying to wrap my head around this, this blue suit era and if like he was a mystical time traveler that I missed out on. You know? I don't know I can't find anything. I mean I don't know if time traveling was you know part of that era, if that's just you know something that's been added for this story. I, uh, right. Because like, this this isn't like Peter David's run or anything like that, is it? This is yeah, yeah this is just some weird period at the end of the 80s. All right. Uh, you know, I wouldn't... Yeah. 
Do you know the sad part is, and I really, you know, I feel bad because I, I, I want the audience to know that I want to be able to say interesting things or have some proper analysis or critique or say why something is just kind of like eh. But like, there are some of these shorts in this book where I really, I don't know what to say about them. They're, they're just, they exist. They're there. They, they, they stand there in a void of empty space around them. And this is yeah, one such so, okay. story. So, so I just found it. So this was from a four-issue miniseries uh, post-crisis. That's how they were reintroducing Aquaman. Uh, that Arthur and Atlantis were connected to the mystical kingdom of the that the wizard Arion lived in during ancient times. So yeah, so they went real mystical, magical, and he got transported back to actually meet Arion here. So, what a weird pull. Yeah, that's. I mean, someone clearly liked that that mini series mm-hmm. and thought they'll they'll do a connection to it. Yeah. Um. You know that that's the eighty page special. Or sorry, I keep saying that because it's eightieth anniversary. Yeah. That's that's hundred page special. Is the to to use an obscure wrestling reference that only a fraction of people are going to get. This is more to pop Matt than anything else. Uh, this is the the Doc Gallows equivalent of a comic book. This is yeah. <laughs> this is highway robbery. Quite yeah. frankly, I do not yeah, recommend looks... this purchase. If you've not bought yeah. this yet and you were thinking about it, I'm telling you right now, you save your yeah, ten dollars. Um, <laughs> it looks it looks like a comic book, but then then you get into it and you're like. This comic book's kind of bad. Why? Well, it's not even Why just, is it still around? It's not even just that it's... Like, because it's not that bad. For, I mean, there's some no. okay stuff in it. it, it That's why I said kind of. It's just low effort. Everything about it just kind of feels like yeah. slapdash and thrown together. Yep. Anyway, uh, that's what that that was like a... I don't know, a four? Five. <laughs> sure. There we go. Moving on. Uh, then we got a story... I, I did kind of like some of the art in this next one. This is uh, just because it's very Silver Age looking. Aquaman's in the orange mm-hmm. and green. Look very classic. I, I appreciated that. Admittedly, then it kind of gets to the actual main story where he's on the beach with Mira and they've got a young Garth and they're fighting Aqua Beast. I kind of appreciated the pulpiness of this. Uh, and Aqua yeah. Beast, for those who don't know, it's just a big muscly version of Aquaman. <laughs> this was the one that I thought like the writing was not good. That's fair. I, I, I think but, it, I think it was going for like a old school uh, the pul- silver, yeah. pulp thing, though. So, you know. and I get that, but after like uh, the other stories around it were better, maybe, <laughs> maybe. But yeah, I don't. I, I I think I legit enjoyed this more than the last two. With without, and it's not that it's that great, but at least I got some pulpy cheesiness yeah. out of this one. Uh, yeah. Also, I learned about Aqua Beast for the first time. And um, man, I want Aqua Beast versus Bane in a wrestling match now. <laughs> oh dear. I mean, the ending's kind of a whimper. It just kind of suddenly ends again, like some of these do. But I at least appreciated Aqua Beast and the big introduction of Aquaman. I thought that page looked quite nice. Like that—that's that basically. And I like that when Aqua Beast comes out of the water, he's holding up Aqualad uh, by his foot. It's like he's yeah. just like a dead fish. I, th- I thought that was a neat. Like, mm-hmm. so you know, I-, I got something out of this one. Yeah, I mean, he also got Aquaman in a in a in a Aloha shirt in the end over his superhero shirt, which I think is a hilarious. Although, touch. I was getting uh, Mira's hair in this. I w- I was getting mm-hmm. like Peggy Bundy. <laughs> like I could see. Yeah. I could see yeah. Katie Siegel, like married with children era, <laughs> dressed it's got as that, Aquaman. It's got that bump to it. 
no, fair enough. Uh, yeah. Okay, I'll, I'll give this one like a five point five. Like this was over the the halfway point for me. Uh, I'll I'll agree there, and that's mostly on on the art because I did think the art was good. Yeah. Um. So basically, this is just Aqua Beast in a nutshell. Upon looking him up, he he really just wants Mara, and he's gonna do everything he can to get Mara. Yeah, I mean, becoming the Aqua Beast. I mean, I'll give it a little bit of a critique in the sense that you can definitely tell it's of an old era where the, the villain's plot is that he just wants to steal the girl, right? He just wants to steal the damsel, yeah. right? And obviously the, the the story makes it clear that she can take care of herself, and obviously we're past that, but, mm-hmm. uh, but you know, it is worth mentioning. But uh, yeah, but other than that, I I, I kind of love it as an old pulpy idea. Yeah. Bring back Aqua Beast. <laughs> they can start a new team. Aqua Beast, Buana Beast... Something else. Was there other beasts in com- DC Comics? I don't know. I can't remember. Anyway. Uh, next up. Oh, I hated this next one. Uh- <laughs> I figured you would have. It's Margaret Bennett. This is a bombshell story, which... I guess they didn't have anything else? So we're going to put a bombshell? Not that there's anything wrong with the bombshells. I know it's it's beloved. You know? But in the 80th special... Weird, weird decision. Is your cat scratching something, Matt? No, my, uh, my... <laughs> the ceiling fan's going a little bit nutty right uh, now. Okay, that's fair. That's fine, that's fine. It does it, does it every so often. Uh, just, so. just ghosts in the house making creepy noises. Yeah, that's um, yeah, I just, I hate the art in this, and I know that's going to be perhaps controversial, because I've yeah. definitely clashed with people on this type mm-hmm. of art style before. Mm-hmm. But, uh, it's just, it's not for me. Uh, it's what some mermaids that they free from yeah, a spell up, up the Rhine River. So, so bombshells set during World War II. So this is post World War II. Um, apparently, the Nazis were using these. Um, basically, they had corrupted these these river nymphs that hold this golden harp. And you can only attain the harp by being a man with you know that doesn't know love. So you know Arthur and Mira, who you know in bombshells, everything's kind of gender swapped, where the where the women heroes are the primary heroes. Um, and so Arthur is almost like her sidekick uh, for Mera here. And um, <clears throat> yeah, he goes and he obtains the heart and then they break it and free them from their free, free the river nymphs, which is kind of nice. They're just weird to be included in an Aquaman 80th. This is more of a Mera story almost. Oh, we had a Jackson yeah. story earlier on. So, I mean, I, so, I think it's fine for yeah. some some of the stories to be centered on the side characters. True, but like in this alternate, you know, I don't know. Just, just, I guess, where else are you going to have the story? I, I mean, I don't... you're preaching to the choir. I would like anything but a bombshell story here, but you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is what it is. I mean, obviously, this is like a partially a taste thing. Uh, yeah. But like I, I, I find it hard to pay attention when I just dislike the art this much in terms of its style. Uh, See, I thought the art was the best thing about this one. You know, it's just I not my taste. That, it's just not my style. Yeah, the the writing itself is a little bit clumsy in parts. So, um, but yeah, yeah. So uh, I don't know. I give this a three, I guess. Like you know, Oof. That's six point five. Yeah, but again, taste. Uh, and then uh, Tempest, Garth, and Tula don't get their own pages for their covers. No, they have to share. They have to share. Uh, so there's that. And then Arm gets one to himself. Uh, this is a mm-hmm. Matina cover, so obviously it's gorgeous. But again, it's an old cover. Yep. So, you know. 
Uh, put that yep. over there. Uh, then we have a story uh, about Aquaman being betrayed by. Oh wait, no, 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 no. So that's not that one yet. This is the uh, this is the trench one. So yep. this is a story where some Atlanteans are hunting uh, what they believe is a trench who's maybe murdered someone or injured someone. Uh, but Mira and Aquaman sort of debate and say, well, it's kind of weird that they left them alive or they didn't, like, yep. eat them all. The trench don't do that. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, this one's got a decent idea, at least. I think it's a bit rushed, obviously. You can't tell the whole story yeah. here. But the idea is that there's actually an Atlantean who adopted a young trench uh, when it was small. And mm-hmm. it's actually fairly house-trained. Uh, but yeah. because it's been discovered, people are trying to kill it. And it's th- 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 the point of the story is that Aquaman, you know, being a child of two sides, two you know, yeah, where he grew up in yeah. the in the you know the, the surface world, basically accepts that this is a creature that's been raised as Atlantean and decides that he's going to protect it from the the people who are hunting it, hunting it. And that's the ending. And as an ending, that's actually a good point to end on because yeah. it's, it's you know Arthur's made this choice. That's the moral of the story. That's fine. I do think. The, the, the writing's a little bit rushed and it's not yeah. as good as it could be so it still suffers but better idea here at least i would say so this this writer kevin scott i know so much from he works in star wars high republic mm-hmm. so i i see this and i hear a lot of praise for it and i maybe the voice in high republic is different but like you said here it was very it was just off enough for me to notice like the voices weren't quite there. The story was kind of like I appreciate what it was going for, but like I guess rush is the best. Yeah, it's uh, the, it all just feels a bit rushed. Uh, the art's not bad. Uh, Scott Eaton, not a bad artist by any means. Mm-mm. Uh, so that definitely stuck out after the last couple of couple of issues. Um, yeah, so or a couple of issues. You know what I mean, a couple of stories. <laughs> so I'll, I'll probably yeah, I'll give this one like a. Like a back up to a five point five, like you know, over the line. I think the ideas are good. It's just it's just the execution's a little bit off. Um, what are you giving it? Um, I'm gonna give this a six point five. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, now the next story, uh, is actually the one that I like the most in the whole book. Uh, Dan Waters, um, I I think had the most interesting idea where it yeah, it's not much of a story in that it is just kind of a, a concept, but it gives the artist a hell of a lot of things to work with and do. Well, uh, and it explains the Arthur and Orm dynamic better than most stories I've seen. Yeah, this is effectively, it, it alternates pages between the two where one's narrating mm-hmm. and the other one's narrating. And it, it compares mm-hmm. them to the idea of storms and the idea that yep. when two storms, rarely do they meet on the ocean, but sometimes they do. And when they do, you know, what is the outcome? Does one consume the other? Do they basically alter each other's path? Do they bounce off of each other? Um, and we get all this great art, honestly, of, like, yep. you know, them and, you know, Orm's coming to fight Arthur, and they're both in storms. He's in the lightning. The waves are going high. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a lot of good art. And the actual concept of comparing them to storms, and then, like, you know, once, you know, things calm down again, and the, the waves are calmed, and... At the end of the story, they're just back to being where they started. And it's like, yeah, it's just, you know, it's this idea. So Madonna's art's very good. Um, and I think conceptually, it's, if you're going to do like a 10-page, 8-page, 10-page thing, where you're just kind of, you know... It's almost a, like a tone poem. Yeah, a tone poem. That's a good way of putting it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Th- this is, 
I think this was a good enough idea for that, and the art's good enough mm-hmm. that it, it, it had. It's one of the few stories in the whole book that had kind of a mood and made me kind of yeah. made, made it kind of feel like it was big, like it was a big deal. Like Arthur's so, story is important. This- yeah, at this point, I was just kind of slogging through them to get them done. Mm-hmm. And then I got to this one, and I was like, oh, no, this is good. This is, this one, yeah, this one's the highlight so far. Yeah. Uh, and not even just so far, it's just the highlight in general. <laughs> well, yeah, but I'm building suspense for yeah. how, how I feel for the other ones. So, uh, you know, mm-hmm. I'm going to give this one an 8. I think this is, this is good. Mm-hmm. I think it's good on both fronts, I think... Mm-hmm. I, you know, it made me want a Dan Waters Ackerman run, and admittedly, his name is perfect. Yeah. His name is Waters. He is Mister Waters. True. True that. <laughs> he was born. He was born to write Ackerman. So, you know, do it. Uh, what are you giving this one? I'm giving this an eight point five. Cool. All right. Nice. Uh, uh next up, Rebellion. Uh, this is Dan Jurgen and Steve Epting. Obviously, Steve Epting definitely brings some artist chops to this. No, no, no doubt about that. Uh, so this is actually a story in which they believe they've been attacked by, um, uh, what's the name of the... Serdia. Serdia, yes, thank you. Uh, the civilization that are now on the land. And uh, Arthur goes to deal with it and, like, you know, demand repercussions and that they, they have to retaliate because of this. And, the, the, you know, the, the drone that was, you know, attacking them or surveying them, mm-hmm. uh, it, you know, some of it's... You know, they, you know their tech. So he brings it to them, to their headquarters, to their embassy, whatever it is, and says, "Hey, what's the meaning of this?" And the woman's like, "Hey, like this wiring's not of our tech. Like yeah. it's entirely possible someone's trying to make it look like it was us." Uh, and you know, it basically turns out that it was actually two of Atlantean guards who were trying to set off a war because they they hate them so much they want a war to happen. Um, honestly, I, I think the concept of this is fine i think the biggest problem is that the women suggest maybe this is coming from inside atlantis and arthur just shows up and immediately bangs the heads together of the two guards that are behind it and i'm like surely there should be more here where he yeah. figures out who it is <laughs> yeah so i i had to look this up this was based off of jurgen and epting's aquaman run from the early 2000s this is almost like a like an extended story. So you remember when they did the Blackest Night and they brought those dead issues back? Mm-hmm. And it was like a continuation somewhat. It's kind of what this was. So I had to look all this up. Um, uh, I almost kind of would have liked a full issue's worth of this just because there's so many interesting things that play. And come to find out, there's a whole run. Um, yeah, I so... honestly, I'm not surprised. It kind of felt like something that was, because uh, they all had different costumes. It felt like it was yep. connected to something. I'm not surprised this is a case of like, because we've seen this in all these other specials where mm-hmm. one or two of the stories, it'll be like a writer coming back and they'll actually do something that connects to their run, which yeah. is great if you've read that run. It's a nice little but if you... callback to it. But if you haven't. Yeah, but if you haven't, you're like us going like, what, what's. Uh... What's going on here? Yes. <laughs> like, yeah. So, but no, it wasn't bad. And again, I'm not really no. mad at Epting art, but like here, here it doesn't feel like I don't know. Maybe if the inks are a little heavy, um, but it, it feels. But maybe that's what his style was in the early 2000s. I'm not sure. Mm. You know, I'm I'm more familiar with with later 2000s Epting, which is a little bit cleaner. The lines it, aren't as heavy. It wouldn't surprise me so, if he is trying to mimic the style that he drew in when he was doing right. this run originally. That would make a lot right. of sense. Yeah, so 
Um, but yeah, like you said in another story, kind of comes down to taste there. But like this wasn't bad outside of it's a little bit short, and it just abruptly ends here with uh, so, Arthur so, calling for peace and unity. So sadly, it's one of the better ones so far because it does mm -hmm. have some good ideas. It has good art. Yeah. Um, you do feel like there's maybe more to it that's missing, but like mm -hmm. that kind of makes sense given that it is kind of like a follow-up to a run that, that happened, and there is a lot of history here that was in that run, presumably. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, one day, hopefully, they'll get to read that run and this will all click even better. Uh, on its own, because it does feel like it glosses over the actual like, discovery part of who's behind it, like, I, I get that it teases, okay, it's someone from inside Atlantis, but he just immediately knows who it is, and they just, you know, like, and I get that it's the only people that really could be in the context of the story is the two people who found the drone and were telling them about it, but... Yeah. It, you know, it just... It, yeah. So, I think based on that, I'm, I'll probably give it like a 6.5. Like, I think there's enough here that I'm happy to say it's this. You know, again, the problem is, though, is that this is kind of... Like, yeah, obviously we just had an 8, but otherwise, like, 6, 6.5 has kind of been the peak of this book. <laughs> it's the yeah. problem. Like, that, you know, the, the yeah. average is not good. So, if this was the low point of the book, that'd be great. But it's not. It's actually nearish the top, and that's kind of the issue. Uh, so then we had the story. So the, the last two stories, and, and as tradition with these, is typically the last story leads into where the ongoing book is going. Yeah. Uh, in this case, we've got two minis coming up related to Aquaman characters, so we have two stories that are both leading into those two. This first one, uh, the Black Manta mini coming up, this is kind of a prologue to that, uh -huh. and, presu and presumably will be in the trade of that mini when it's collected, uh, where it's Black Manta and his associate, uh, does he name her here? Yeah, she has a weird name. She, he calls her Gallus the Goat. Yes, yes. Uh, and they're debating, he's got an artifact that Atlantis is looking for. Uh, uh -huh. Is this maybe the thing from Action Comics that they had? I don't think so because it's. I want to say no, because it feels like that was a lot bigger. Yeah, you know, I, it's funny because I, I agree. It doesn't really feel that same, but it feels similar enough in idea mm -hmm. that it's just maybe just the, this thing where because we right. just had Atlantis arguing over an artifact. It, yeah, and it wasn't like it definitely like because it's essentially effectively just a hunk of rock. And that was effectively a hunk of rock, so right, it's, right. Not, it's not distinct enough to make me distinguish them in my heads too much, but hey-ho. Uh, so, some monsters attack, they're kind of like mutated versions of the trench that uh, Black Manta says are actually from a different part of the world, but they're... They're, they're Groot Sling from, uh, from South Africa, which I just looked up, which is African and Dutch for Big Snake. Ah. So, uh... Good, good to know that we're just naming stuff how they look. It's like, uh, um, but they, they do have like trench-like heads. So it's like, imagine the they do. They have trench legs and, oh, sorry, they have trench heads and arms, but then they have like a snake tail, snake body, and with big like elephant tusks. Yes, too. So yeah. very, very distinct design. I'll say that yep. much. Uh, so they they fight a bit, um, and defend these uh, creatures off, and they're like, well, we're going to have to, you know. Go, go find out what's going on here, you know? Um, which, right, which leads right into uh, the the Black Manta story, because he yeah. puts his suit on and with her. I want to know what her deal is. Uh, I'm, I'm sure the miniseries is going to go into yeah. that. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, unless she wins out next month. So, I mean, 
you know, that's next that's... month, next week. Was it, oh, did it say next week? Yeah. I well, I looked, I looked to see what's coming out next week, and it's on there. So. Well, it just says next month in the back page, which is I was looking at. Gotcha. <laughs> uh, so. Yeah, I mean, this was fine. Like, like the art is, uh, not bad. I thought. Um. Yeah. Well, I, it's it's Valentine uh Leand- Leandro who did the. Mr. Miracle stuff during Future State. Oh, sure. Yeah, I can see that. He's doing can... the covers for that Mr. Miracle book right now yeah, that we're I, not reading. I can see the comparison uh, yep. for sure. It definitely looks like that's so, the same style. But yeah, the art, the art's real good. I mean, I have a soft spot for Black Manta thanks to Jeff Johns through his Aquaman run. Um, so, I mean, if I wasn't that keen on checking this out, this kind of pushed me a little bit because like, I want to know what's going on with him. Although, I hope this isn't to build him as an anti-hero because I kind of just like that he's a jerk. I do you know, kind of like the voices these two characters mm-hmm. had. You know, Black Manta and this woman. I, I think their banter was yes. entertaining enough and it was probably some of the best writing dialogue of the entire book. Like, Yeah. I, I don't think I enjoyed any conversations really up until this point in this book. That's fair. Uh, it's Chuck Brown that's doing the, the main book. Yeah, so, who, I, who I don't know from anything else. So this is the first no. time of. Uh... But let's let's not lose the fact that his name is probably Charles, so he goes by Chuck Brown, so he doesn't have to go by Charlie Brown. I mean that's fair. Yeah. <laughs> I mean to be fair, there's a lot of people who go by Charles or Chuck who never felt the danger of being called Charlie. Right. Uh, but hey, uh, yeah, I'm happy to give that a seven. That's that's just one of the better stories in the book. Yeah, uh, I'll, sure. I'll agree with the seven. Yeah, uh, I you know I was going to read issue one of this many anyway because I tend to try all the new issue ones, but right. um, that's definitely made me a little bit more curious about it. Um, admittedly, I'm not sure how essential this short story is going to be for it, but as a teaser for it, yeah, sure. Uh, I, I have no major complaints. Uh, so then there's the Andy page with the the previous oh, art. Yeah, uh, obviously this is the newest first appearance. 2020. <laughs> uh, did, did we see that it stands for Andrina? Uh, I don't know, actually. That doesn't ring a bell. I don't remember. Um, I remember reading the issue where she was born, and I remember learning her name was Andy after, but I thought that was based off of the gods that he was with during that Kelly Sue run. Mm-hmm. Um, Because that, that was his name. That's what they were calling him. Uh, so... Uh, I I like that though. I like that it's it's short for Andrina. It sounds like one of Ariel's sisters' name from Little Mermaid, so it fits. Yeah, uh, and then the Robson Roca dedication page, which was yeah. was in all the books like last week or whatever. Uh, mm-hmm. But it was nice to put it in here as well since he did work on Aquaman. Yeah. Uh, so you know, it was nice to see that. And then the final story uh, of the book, the Brandon Thomas one, and this is leading into the the Jackson Aquaman uh, yeah. Rising book. Uh, which is basically Aquaman and Mira head off for a bit after Jackson's been training and he's left with uh, Andy. But then Scavenger and some pirates show up. Uh, they're looking for a gem that appar- <laughs> apparently Andy just picked it up on the beach. Mm-hmm. So so they're targeting Andy. Because it was, it was sparkly and she's a baby. Yes. So, yeah. And basically it's a scepter that has all these gems in it which will only open, it will show the way to this magic treasure that they're hunting. Mm-hmm. So I, I assume Matt was at least into that part of it because this is as shit. I, I didn't hate this story. Like, I... 
Brandon Thomas is real hit or miss with me, and this was closer to a hit than a miss. Um, so yeah, the the whole treasure aspect, I like Scavenger as a villain. We don't get him enough sure. in Aquaman comics. Yeah. Um, I, I also, um, I I had a small laugh that when him when Jackson and Andy hide into the the jungle, mm-hmm. he makes a little baby Bjorn out of leaves, and I just I thought that was hilarious. Yeah, I I, yeah, I didn't dislike this either. It's just kind of fine. Um, yeah, you know, I I like the idea of Jackson having to protect Andy and kind of being there for what is it? You know, because he refers to himself as uncle, and you know, he's not really, right. but you know, that's, effectively that's the relationship that he's going to have with the kid. Um, and yeah, you know, that that part's fine. Uh, I I thought as a setup to the 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 miniseries though of of Jackson becoming. New Aquaman. Yeah, it's called Aquaman the Becoming. I, I keep calling it Aquaman Rising because I forgot a title. Right. <laughs> um, but, you know, setting up, as a setup for that that book, though, it it doesn't really feel like it entices me in any way. No, no. Not like the Black Manta one did yeah. right before it, you know? Because the uh, Black Manta one introduces a plot, it introduces a new character, or at least I think she's new. Right. Uh, right. And sort of teases like, whereas the, the only thing this really does is like Jackson feels like he's not good enough and he wants to get better, right. and that's it. And Aquaman's like, well, well turns out we've, what I do, we've got an I idea like, for you. Yeah, I do like too that this carries on the because you neither of you read the Future State Aquaman stuff. That was just me, right? Did I not read the first it, one? I feel like I read the first one. Did I not? Okay. But it, it carries on that Jackson and Andy relationship that you see here, where he feels like you know. The big sibling. So I was getting some Robin vibes here too, to where he just wants to be a good role model, you know, and find mm-hmm. his place. Where where does he belong in the Aqua family? And he cares very much about this little girl. Um, I think what's a little know. bit weird about this for me is that Jackson in comics has not really been around that long, so yeah. it feels weird that he's at this stage. And like I'm not saying it should be Garth instead, right. but. Right. If anything, like Jackson feels more like Tim Drake here, whereas Garth mm-hmm. should be the the Dick Grayson of of the Aqua right. family. Right, uh, but it, I will say that with Garth, though, I, I feel like they're building Jackson up because at least he's interesting. With I mean with that's Garth, a, <laughs> I mean no, that's a, that's a fair point, but it doesn't yeah. it doesn't alleviate the idea that he's not been around that long. So it feels like we're kind of catapulting him to a like a status that. Yeah, you really—I mean, you really just get by like time. It's just a time thing more than right. anything. Uh, no, no, and I get that, but like uh, with 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 Garth and stuff, I, I get that he's the original. He's the Dick Grayson generation. But I can't tell you anything about Garth besides he does magic. You know, he was left <laughs> on a reef. You know, you know, because of his purple eyes. I, I know that much. At least with Jackson, there is that. You know, he is kind of the Tim Drake, right? Where he has more in common with Arthur than. Than anyone, right? So if anyone's gonna take over the mantle of Aquaman eventually, you know, it makes sense that it'll be him. Um, so I do like that Brandon Thomas seems to have a, a take for the character here, um, and hopefully that carries over because this is his theme between the relationship of him and Andy, and then his relationship with Aquaman and Mera, you know, wanting to be worthy of their legacy on top of it. Like it's yeah, just, no, there's, I, there's a lot, lot here that I hope that lands on the the main book. There's potential there. It just it sometimes it feels like sometimes comics like to pretend there's a legacy to something that doesn't yeah. actually have a legacy yet. Yeah. Uh, and Jackson at times I think 
can feel like that. Whereas when I look at like, I mean, go back to the Robins for comparison. Like every single one of them, like have the time now. Even Damien now has been around long enough that it kind of feels yeah. like Damien is so established and like, and he is still obviously presented as a very young character, but. Uh, whereas Jackson, you know, he didn't really show up until the start of Rebirth, right? That was when Jackson showed up in the comics. Right. So we're kind of in this weird place where because he was in a fairly, like, B-level Teen Titans book, you know, as much as we enjoyed that Teen Titans book at the time, it wasn't exactly, like, uh, you know, must-read stuff. Um, He wasn't featured heavily in Aquaman, not until recently. It wasn't really until the Kelly Sue run where he was a prominent figure, and it's definitely some of the best stuff he's had was in that run. So... I'm very curious uh, to see the development of, of his character now. And mm-hmm. I mean, and maybe that's just a case of he needs a spotlight, he needs his own book, which this is going to be where he is the central character. Yeah. Um, and that's cool. But uh, I, you know, it's, it's the sort of thing where they've not sold me on him being like elevated yet until I've actually read some stories where he is sort of mm-hmm. presented to me that way, I guess. Um, gotcha. Um, but, but, you know, part of it's just that he doesn't have the... Like, He's not. I'm not already attached to him in the same way that when they when they make a choice to elevate a character who I do already love because they've been around long enough and they've had enough good stories anyway that I'm rooting for them to be elevated and like take right. a, a more prominent role. Whereas with Jackson, it's more like okay, you're going to have to convince me that he's like not that he's. I mean, there's no such thing as deserving necessarily because a character is only deserving because of the quality of the stories you give them anyway. So, but. I don't have the attachment in advance with this one, whereas, like, you know, it's like, oh, no, right. as, as you elevate right. him, you're going to have to give me the stories that make it feel right, real and make it feel like he's deserving right. of that. And I feel that because he came around during Brightest Day and then the New 52 happened, and then we didn't get too much of him until Rebirth, right? There was a whole bunch of time in between there that we could have been establishing him because I feel that's what the plan was. Yeah. Um. And and we kind of missed out on it, so now they're kind of course correcting because he's a pretty big character on Young Justice, right? You guys have watched that. Oh yeah, he's a very prominent character in that. Yeah, so it, it does feel like they've had these you know lofty goals for the character that kind of got sidetracked for unknown reasons, you know. Um, and I'm I'm excited to see some other stories because I do feel like the stories we've had with them so far, and it's not even really been that many, but I feel like we fall back onto his relationship with Black Manta. And it, was, yeah. it happened in this very anthology, is that yep. we, we, we went back to that for his one looks... Right. Well, which, yeah, two stories technically, but this one at the end. But yeah, still. which which I do I do appreciate that, because it's him fighting, like, this this man is my dad, and, and whatever, and I don't... You know, him fighting that legacy, because he, he wants Arthur's lineage, right? Like, that's what he's going for. Yeah, but it's the um, it's the problem a lot of comic book characters have though is that they always go back to the one key plot detail that they've been right. given and they never advance beyond that. And obviously, right. Batman's a bad example because he does have a lot, but it's the same sort of thing when we saw oh they're bringing up the death of the winds again, right. uh, you know. Right. No, and I get that, and the you know, but I again I understand why they keep doing it, but he hasn't been around that long. To the where that's his only defining thing, you know, so. Yeah, and once we can get past that, which I doubt we will, the, the fact that we have a Black Manta book coming out at the same time as his book of, of coming, I'm sure there's going to be maybe not an actual crossover, but I feel like they're going to line up somewhere. I mean, arguably that might be the more reassuring is that because Black Manta is got in his own book at the mm-hmm. same time, is that that's more likely 
going to mean that Black Manta is not going to feature heavily in yeah. in Jackson's book, and that's probably yeah. that can only be a good thing. I yeah. I, I think giving him like struggling with like taking on a new role and more responsibility is far more interesting to me at this point than just having him whine about his dad not being a good person again because <laughs> mm-hmm. i'm kind of mm-hmm. I'm, I'm already at the point where i'm kind of sick of that as a, as a character thing for him no i do and i just i want him just to let that go and go i'm, I'm, he, I'm never gonna change my dad so i'm gonna embrace arthur you know as that father figure you know and and whatnot just because i i like the idea that black man that like i forget which comic creators i saw on twitter this week talking about like there needs to be more unredeemable villains because it feels like right now that's the thing. We're like, oh, we're gonna write this villain, but they're they're actually, you know, deep down, they have a heart. And I forget who was saying it's like, yeah, but sometimes you just want an utter bastard. And I felt that's where where Manta was for a long time. Because during Snyder's Justice League, he was the one guy kicked out of the Injustice League. Yeah, you know, I mean, for obviously, not, for not I mean, Joker fits into that category, but Black mm-hmm. Manta is very different in that. Yeah. He's not a crazy bastard. He's just a cold no. bastard. <laughs> exactly. And he's like, I, I don't have time for this. And I, I like that. And then, you know, not every not every character needs to be Poison Ivy and Two-Face and Deathstroke that they can play the line. That's what makes them special. But if every single character's doing that, you know, and I don't want to put Catwoman or Harley in there because at this point they're heroes. You know, they're much more on the hero side than they are the in between but i mean to be um, fair i mean it happened with harley largely because she mm-hmm. was popular enough that it made right. sense to basically turn her face to use a wrestling right. term right. Uh, and you know I, I do think there's a risk with i, I think it's, it's far more interesting to me when out of nowhere someone's doing it with man bat with, you know, with a character right. that we've not really thought about or clayface even right to, right. to go with detective mm-hmm. where that was interesting because Oh, we, we we you know like we didn't see that coming, and then right. the story actually kind of justifies it and explores why he could be a good character and why there is maybe some conflict within him. Right, but those those fit into the monster archetype though too, you know, of there's still humanity in there. They're not what their appearance does. You know, I like it when when it's just a bad guy. Like I don't want Lex Luthor to ever be redeeming. So when he was and it worked, it felt special. You know, when he was running around with the Superman S on his chest and, and stuff. And so I just worry about the, the Black Manta book in his relationship with Jackson. I think Lex know. is a weird example because Le- Le- Lex kind of does have some understandable and redeeming qualities mm-hmm. at times. And cause he's just he's a very complex character. And that's mm-hmm. partly what makes Lex kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. But... There is definitely characters who I never want to see not be just a complete villain. Um, right. I, I I never, you know, obviously Joker's the first one that always comes to mm-hmm. mind, but I I never want to see, I don't know, like Black Mask. Black Mask should always be a cold yeah. bastard. Yeah. Like he should always be awful. Um, mm-hmm. likewise, I you know, um, I don't know. Maxwell Lord, he should always be a complete prick. <laughs> like, yeah, you know, there's just, there's, there's characters who I never want to. Well, and that's where, and again, that's where I would put Black Manta. But I feel like there's a a, a change going, and I hope I'm wrong, just because you know. I mean, you know, I, if they do something with Black Manta, at least I can I can maybe accept the potential because I don't know if this has been done before in DC Comics, where because they're a father now, right. 
that's the thing that actually plants the seed where maybe they can grow a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, there could be some potential there. But yeah, so many villains have become anti-heroes or just straight up mm-hmm. good guys or whatever because yeah. they're popular and eventually you have to turn them. Otherwise, it's impossible to keep doing stories with them. Um, yeah. But, you know, yes, I do like a good, you know, complete villain. But yeah, I, I, you, you brought up with, with Black Mask. I'm trying to think of other Superman villains that you could do, like Mongol. Yeah, I don't need a ever oh, no. yeah. Mongol at this Mo- point. Mongol, you know? Dark Side. Uh-huh. Um, I I would. Who else? Uh, Brainiac should always be cold yes. like a computer. You know, yeah. he should he should never be sympathetic. Yeah. Um. Yeah, there's a bunch. Yeah. There's a bunch there, but but yeah. So we'll see how this goes. Um, I'm glad to be having Aquabooks back because that's you know. I was enjoying that when before they pulled it, you know, it was one of those books that I was enjoying the Kelly Sue run uh, yeah. and then it was just gone. A surprising amount of that run, uh, both through Abnet mm-hmm. and then Kelly Sue and even, uh, who was in between? There was someone in between, wasn't there? Oh, I can't remember. Uh, but anyway, uh, like a surprising amount of that run, uh, all the way from one through till its ending was pretty good. The the only downfall tended to be a couple of the odd fill-ins here or there, which were a bit rough. But other than that, Aquaman was yeah. consistently solid. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, the final story is like a... Yeah, it's like a six. Like, it's fine. Like, it's not bad. Yeah, 6.5. Uh, you know, so... There you go. Yeah, but overall, as, as, a, as a collection, as an anthology book, is it worth buying? Honestly, no. <laughs> like, no. it was a chore to get yeah. through. Uh, like I, but ultimately, when they announce another one of these, and they probably already have, and it's a list of great creators, it's like okay, I'll get it. But definitely, in the minutes after I finished this, I was like, I'm never reading one of these again. I'm done. I'm done with these things. <laughs> I like, I told I was, my wife, I'm like, you know, she goes, why is that one so long? I was like, oh, they've been doing these 80th anniversaries because we're starting to get to that point where these characters have been around forever. But like, it just doesn't. This one didn't feel like it was justified. She's like, yeah, but you like Aquaman. I was like, yeah, that's why I'm upset. You know, like this could have been something different and it could have been an homage to the character. And it just, these are almost leftover stories. And when I got to those covers that were where the pinups usually are, I was just like, oh, okay, this was an afterthought. That's the, that's the word I'd use. Afterthoughts, the word I'd yeah. use. Because I don't, I mean, maybe one or two of them are just leftover stories that were sitting around. I mean, I, I, I mm-hmm. think genuinely most of it's new content and that's fine. Uh, yeah. But it's just mostly mediocre, if not bad. And then, you know, the Van Water story was good. I I think that the setup for the Black Manta mini's pretty solid. But that's sadly kind of where I, I, I stopped being that, you know, positive about it so yeah i think it just went from abnet to kelly sue okay kingslayer then they did the crossover with suicide squad which was abnet's last okay okay and then they did the drowned earth stuff which i I don't know who wrote the drowned earth stuff um but that was a couple issues that was aquaman 41 and 42 and then 43 it started with uh, kelly sue okay i thought there was someone in between but yeah fair enough yeah I think it was the Suicide Squad crossover stuff that might be that might have tripped it up. Um, I, I knew it wasn't issue to issue. I knew there was like, so obviously between yeah. between Drowned Earth and the Suicide Squad crossovers. I'm sure, yeah, there was a few issues of like in between. Yeah. But 
Uh, okay, there you go. That's Ackerman's 80th anniversary. I mean, I don't know if we have to rate the whole thing. I mean, if I'm rating the whole thing as an anthology issue, it's getting like a 5. Yeah, 5.5 probably for me. Yeah. It's a shame. It's a shame, but I would not recommend grabbing it, honestly. Alright. Infinite Frontier, issue 5. Joshua Williamson writing with a bunch of artists. Yes. A bunch of them. Um... So uh, we've been enjoying this uh, well yeah. enough. It's been doing some interesting uh, multiverse setup for whatever that bastard Williamson's got in his mind for yeah. where we're going. Um, we start off with Psycho Pirate. It's a sort of a flashback to him convincing both Bones and Machine Head uh, to like join his plan. Obviously, Machine Head did the big betrayal last right. issue, um, and we get introduced to his Injustice incarnate in this issue, uh-huh. uh, which is all the, the villainous villains he's put together. Uh, so we get all this. I mean, a lot. This issue is a bit more straightforward. There's a lot less jumping around. This issue, yep. uh, you know, it's this version of Bones here who's like explaining stuff uh, to Chase and the JSA, who get you know partially reunited. You know, Alan and Obsidian meet up with Jade and the others who were on the other ship, and they're all together. Roy's there as well. They know that there must be a speedster involved because whatever they're trying to do is involving the multiverse, and then yep. they spot Barry in the big wheel. And we find out that that mysterious character who was hunting Roy is actually an alternate version of Chase. What's her name, though? We've been over this. What's her name? Yeah. You don't, you never remember her name. I don't remember her name. You're right. I don't. It's extract. Extract. There you go. Yeah. Um, which I thought that was a fun, you know, take that it's a version of her from Bones' original Earth, which would have to be Earth 2. Because if that's the original bones that we see in the, mm-hmm. you know, the the crossbones costume, the high cape, yeah, the pure and the, whatnot, the, the goofy silver age looking outfit. Yeah. Also, that page where he yells at at Chase, and he's in that suit, and he goes, "And you messed it all up." I got a genuine laugh out of it. Yeah. And I don't know if that's what it was supposed to be, but just that ridiculous look at him yelling in that way. I think I it guess. is. I think it's like yeah. a pulpy kind of like. Yeah. I, you know, I don't think the art in this issue is that good overall because it's just too varied. It's probably got the biggest stretches of just kind of flatness to it. But yeah. I will, I will say the page where you you realize that extract and chase are you know just alternate versions mm-hmm. of the same person. I did think. I don't necessarily like it that much as a piece of art because I don't necessarily like the line work that much. But I will say it does a really good job of having them have the exact same pose. Uh, uh-huh. so, so that despite the fact that it's different here, you can totally tell that they're both the same person. So, right. you know, so, so at least the function of what it's supposed to convey it does get across. So, I remember when when they officially made Power Girl Karazor L from from Earth Two, mm-hmm. um, you know, post Infinite Crisis, they did a similar thing when she meets Kara, where you know, Kara goes, "Now that I, now that you mention it, it is kind of like looking at an older mirror." Um. And it, it was very similar with the poses and the way that they were drawn. Um, it was handled the same way. So I was getting flashbacks to that. Um, which maybe is the point. Like, we know that Middleton, or Middleton, uh, Williamson, the other Josh, um, he is, he's deep into this lore at this point, you know? Um, but but yeah, and just the Injustice Incarnate, just a, that is a wild assembly of characters. Oh yeah, very cookie. And of course, uh, what's there of the JSA 
charge and uh, the Green Lanterns make up some constructs of who's not there just to give us like a sort mm-hmm. of GSA splash page, which is fun. We see that inside Barry's head, he see- he's with all the Flash family running with him. Yeah. So this is obviously the Psycho Pirate manipulation. And we get the big teases though, which are kind of the, you know, all, all these purple chains, like these sort of like shadow chains start to come mm-hmm. in. We get, we get like, you know, Superman, President Superman breaks out of them and that classic Superman breaks the chains. Always. Cover. Yeah. yeah. That's really, yeah. really nice, nice stuff. But these chains keep showing up and they keep attacking more and more people uh, and binding them. And it looks like all the Earths and all the multiverse are starting to like slow down. And mm-hmm. it's like, okay, so the plan here is to like basically every time there's some sort of crisis, Earth Zero is always at the center of it. It's mm-hmm. their fault. Uh, so we have to put a stop to all this and save save all these other Earths. And Roy actually does this selfless thing here where he realizes that his daughter's not here, but is back on Earth yep. Zero. And essentially has this moment where he accepts that he's going to like let the ring take over. He's going to use it to stop this, and he's just going to trust all the heroes. He's going to trust the JSA. Right. He's going to trust them to go and save her. Well, yeah, because we find out too that because that, he's not from Earth Zero, or it, it, the ring's not from Earth Zero. This is the yeah. ring that Batman wore during Death Metal. That's right. Yeah. Um. Um. So there's something special about this ring, and why it chose him. And we, we there's kind of an explanation at the end because we hear about the Omega Lantern. Yeah. So this is, this is like the Omega Ring, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah. Well, which, which one, you know that Omega is the last letter in the Greek alphabet, right? And mm-hmm. that's why it it's dark side symbol because he is inevitable. Well, al- alpha, to phrase. alpha to Omega, right? That's, you know. Exactly. Usually the um, thing. Uh, so, so, yeah. Um, yeah, uh, Roy being a hero. Um, now it doesn't actually seem to work though because when we get to the yeah. last page in Darkseid because you know because the, they're all sort of slowly realizing that you know it's Darkseid's chains that are mm-hmm. doing all this and then the final page when Darkseid's like ah oh, and with my Omega Lantern by my side I will control all so he's trying to take over the entire multiverse this is this is mm-hmm. Darkseid's biggest play ever but he actually yeah. has Roy in chains so Roy's not actually went anywhere he's actually still there right. uh, this has not actually had the effect that he was hoping uh so big stuff getting to the final issue i you know it's funny like i think i like what again still what this is doing from uh, like what we're doing with the multiverse what we're doing with the gsa characters this is maybe a less satisfying issue on its own because it's less mystery and more all the characters are together and monologuing and fighting so i think in terms of an issue i like this a little bit less than maybe the last couple issues right but it is a penultimate issue too so we're gonna get all the big stuff I'm sure in the next one to lead to whatever else Williamson has up his sleeve. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, I, I'm not thinking what it's doing. I will say that I like the artist's been kind of spotty in this book anyway because it's been so many artists, you know, right. rotating. Uh, I but there was no Zermanico section this time, so it felt like the caliber overall was down. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's, it's Pelletier, Marino, and Derenick, and I think Derenick did one of the stories in the the aquaman mm-hmm. special too so so yeah so no no zermanico but um so there's no strong point to the art but the art's pretty i mean for being three artists it is pretty consistent across the board you know like i didn't feel like i was getting whiplash consistently just uh, okay though is the problem yeah that's what i mean though yeah. like it's not like there's no highs or lows it's just across the board 
Yeah, I mean, I do love the... I, I like the idea of Darkseid manipulating a bunch of characters basically by saying, if you help me, I will ensure that there's no future crisis that will eliminate you. Because, you know, Psycho Pirate says that he's from the original Earth 2, and mm -hmm. after the original crisis, his Earth just vanished, and he was right. left stranded. And no well, one believed him. They put him in Arkham. No one believed him that there was multiple right. Earths. And so the idea of convincing characters to help Darkseid based on the idea of I will keep you, I will make sure your Earths keep existing, that your Earth right. will never go away. And because Machine Head brought up the point that, you know, why is your Earth Earth Zero? Why isn't it our Earth? You know, why is it, what, what's so about that Earth that causes the, the ripples across the multiverse, you know, and they're tired of it, which I kind of like that for a crisis, you yeah. know? I mean, obviously, the real answer to that is because it's the one that we read about ninety nine percent of the time. Of course, but <laughs> of course, but like, yeah, but I, the character to ask that, you know, yeah, well, the, but the reason why I was saying that is because uh, I, I I didn't realize or I'd forgotten that Calvin's kryptonite is called Meta Knight, and mm -hmm. that made me laugh. Given yeah. that I given that I know like his creation comes from like Grant Morrison's work and how Meta yeah. Morrison loves to get, so you know, it right. stuck out to me. But uh, yeah, so. But uh, yeah, I would say it's maybe a little bit of a weaker issue overall. Um, but st still digging everything it's doing in terms of all the shenanigans and what. It, what I, I love all these characters being involved, and I'm 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 excited to see where the GSA are landing after all this and mm -hmm. what we're doing with Psycho Pirate and all that. So, um, but I don't I don't suspect that this is going to be the end of the story. I suspect that all the Stark oh. Side stuff is setting up stuff for the future. Yeah. It's it's planting seeds. He's been playing with Darkseid for a minute now, since since the end of the first metal, because he had that whole section with uh, Odyssey that kind of fell apart. So well, I mean, there, that wasn't his after the first few issues, but no, but it was his idea. You know, he's, sure. he's still getting story by credits. So um, whatever he has, this is something I feel like he's had in his you know brain for a minute. So I'm I'm excited. I just remember how being excited I was when they announced that book and, like, Darkseid was going to have, like, a Hannibal Lecter vibe. Like, well, he was in prison we, on the ship we thought, and stuff. We thought we were going to have Sejic as, uh, yeah. you know, drawing Jessica Cruz for months and months and, and, and months. Starfire. And we got two issues yeah. <laughs> of it. Yep. So, so that was a shame. But, but, yeah, whatever it is, I don't feel like it's the end. So Yeah. So that's neat, that's neat. Uh, I'm excited to see how this wraps up, because there's only one more issue, I think, it's just issue 6, yep. it's the last one. Uh, yep. So what are you rating uh, Infinite Frontier uh, issue 5? I'm going to 7.5. Yeah, I'll just go straight to 7, I think, on this one. I'm, I'm, I'm digging it, but overall it was definitely a little bit down quality-wise. Uh, so, uh, next issue comes out next week, and the only artist that's listed is Zermanico. So... Praise be! <laughs> yeah? Yeah? Praise be! Uh do you stop spoiling everything that's coming out next week? There's a list at the end for the reason, Matt. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just telling you. Well, stop it. No. <laughs> no. All right, next up. Batman, Fierce Day Alpha, Issue 1, James Tyden, the fourth, writing with Ricardo Federici on the art. Uh, Federici, who I think we mainly know as the one who was swapping with Cedric when Aquaman was a thing. Yeah. There was a lot of Federici art during that time. Mm -hmm. Uh, so art's pretty solid. Federici's got a distinct style, uh, which gives us yeah. a vibe, which is nice. Uh, so this is oversized, of course, and it is a prelude to the Fear State story. Um, which and I like this issue. I I think it's not amazing or essential, but I do like the 
kind of the big event feel that it gives the story yeah. because it, it kind of like here's just all the characters right before the story starts uh, oh, and also a flashback at the start of uh, yeah. the first time Simon Saint went to this, visit Jonathan Crane and Arkham and sort of started their relationship this feels like a proper event story where I felt Joker Ward didn't so like Joker Ward just felt like it was a story that was happening in Batman that like oh we're going to tie all this in this fear state actually it feels like there's going to be ripples across the bat line because of it. Well, I mean, because it's, of the it's been way that it's... building for so long, and then of course the fact that because that, this issue alone brings in stuff from Catwoman, it brings in stuff uh-huh. from uh, various bat books. You know, all the bat family of, are pretty mm-hmm. much involved. So yeah, right. I mean, this it feels like an event. So it, it feels like a big deal, and this is this issue made me realize I am probably going to miss tying in a whole lot. Like I know Williamson's mm-hmm. taking over for a little bit on Batman. But all those, all the pieces that Tynan's moved in to place to tell the story, I look back on, and even though I didn't like some of them, right? Like I don't, I don't like Ghostmaker. There's some parts of Joker where I didn't like, but I feel like they've all served this purpose to lead to here, and I love that. I think, I think for me, it's just Ghostmaker. I don't like. I don't think there's been anything else that I've. Maybe people will correct me for something I did complain about. No, but... I mean like, yeah, you again, you you like, and we have different tastes and stuff, but like. Clown Hunter, I wasn't a big fan of, still not, like, uh, as just as a character. And the whole Joker were aspects, some of the stuff that he did. However, it's it's led to Saint being able to take over parts of Gotham in the way that he did. It's making the Fear State stuff pop out a little bit more. Or Fear State, Future State. I don't like that those are so similar. Now that I think about it. Um, it's making that stuff stand out a little bit more. So... You know, and then the Insanity Collective and, and how they're different. Um, yeah, there's just a lot in here that, that I like. Yeah, so that's flashback with uh, Saint going to see Crane. It's mm-hmm. basically just like, you know, you, you wrote about this theory about society evolving based on the, like, again, a shock to the system because they're so scared that everything's going yep. to change and they're malleable and they can be changed, you know, by someone's image. And they say, oh, there has to be a number of factors for this. But hey, Gotham goes through a lot of shit. Gotham's actually a place where they, they've been through so much awful stuff that you could pull it off in Gotham. And yep. Scarecrow, obviously, is tempted by this. And, you know, we've been saying that Scarecrow and Saint, when things get to a certain point, they're not going to be able to work together, right? You know, Scarecrow's going to have his own agenda. Yep. There's no mm-hmm. way he's not going to. And that obviously really already starts to bubble up in this issue. So we know Batman's trapped by scarecrow we see him see yep. him there after the flashback but then the rest of the issue for the most part is just it like i actually really appreciated this these couple of pages of the uh, news reports they effectively mm-hmm. just recap everything that's happened in this run to get us to this yeah. point and i think it's actually really smart because it, it's like you know with co- monthly comic books it's very easy to forget things especially when stuff was set up months and months ago and this has been a long-form thing I think these two pages were a really nice refresher and just here's all the steps that got us here. Here's who Mahoney is, who Peacekeeper 1 is, like the, what that journey was. Here's what A-Day was. Here's the, the, the teases that Scarecrow's been planting at the you know the mayor's mm-hmm. house and stuff like that. And then the yeah. Insanity Collective. All of it just building up and bubbling up and just establishing the scene. Uh, and then, of course, we get to Mahoney, who's actually under fear gas. <laughs> Right now, and I love the idea. It's like you have a mechanized soldier, and they're under the influence of an unknown toxin, and you still think this is going according to plan. Yeah, like I just love that. And Saint obviously is freaking out, and obviously it's like, well, 
you know, you're supposed to be working with Scarecrow. Why is this a problem? And, yeah. and again, there's been so much emphasis on setting up, you know, Montoya, mm-hmm. like, being roped in to be commissioner, to yep. be under Nakano. So her reacting to all this magistrate stuff and, like, just dropping F-bombs and smashing mm-hmm. her phone in the floor. In fact, it's not even her phone. It's, it's the other cop's yep. phone, which is actually funnier, <laughs> to <Right>. be honest. <laughs> yep. Uh, you and got... just like tell him Nakano, like you, you can't let this happen. He's like, let it happen. It's already happening, you know. Yeah, uh, and you've got yeah. uh, you know Oracle with the Batgirls and them try to like hack into things, only to be hit with a fake Oracle that puts out a message to just rile up the the population more. You know, it yeah. it tells tells them all to be scared of Batman. It tells them all to be scared of the so. Of the Sanity Collective, everything. I, I was gonna make a, a point that I was like, this doesn't sound like Oracle when it starts up. Mm-hmm. And then it gets to the no, it's not Oracle. She's like, what's going on? So for Barbara to even be like, I got outplayed, that's interesting. Yeah, no, I dug that a lot. I dug them try to problem solve it and then effectively try to do something about it, only for the you know to cause an explosion. And it's like shit. Mm-hmm. Like Scarecrow has put a lot of thought into this. Like he, This is like yeah. a proper big-time big, well, big time thing. I, I always say that my my favorite... Uh, one of my favorite Batman stories, and I always forget the name of it, which makes it stupid to say it's my favorite, but it was a, a Detective Comics two-parter from back before Flashpoint, where basically the, the inmates in Arkham tell, tell Scarecrow, you're, you're nothing without your gas. You get beat up by Batman. You can't instill fear anymore. So he goes and creates a, a state of fear. I actually think it's called state of fear or state of terror um, where he just starts killing random people across Gotham and he ends up having Gotham in the palm of his hand. And that's what reinvigorates him to become Scarecrow again. And there's a lot of similarities here with this one, you know, with, with um, Scarecrow putting all these plants in and then really makes it like, this is why he's a Batman level villain. You know, he's not the dude that showed up in the man bat mini you know, I, I did, got his butt kicked. Which reminds me, I did laugh at the start in the flashback when it ends with Scarecrow saying, I'm going to need all this money and also yeah. lots of straw and rope. <laughs> I yeah. need a lot of straw and rope. That was a good, that was a good one. Um, yeah. So no, I, you know, I really, in fact, I think Federici's art here, like I'd be down for more Bat mm-hmm. books with uh, Federici on art because, um, yeah. has a mood to it. It has a mood and even just st- stuff as simple as like the Batgirls hanging around the, the clock tower mm-hmm. with, with Babs, just, it had kind of a vibe. It felt different to a lot of the other bat art we've seen recently. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I felt like uh, their outfits just had a cooler like look to them than the normal. Um, you know, Steph's outfit felt more like her Batgirl outfit that just happened to not have the yellow as opposed to just being her spoiler mm-hmm. outfit, uh, for example. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so that happens. Uh, but then we cut to Deep Under Gotham, which is uh, where Harley's taking Miracle Molly and co... To, for protection and this is where um one of the ivies i should say queen ivy yeah queen ivy's like hiding yeah. out and th- you know this is one of these things where th- this has been built up and um you know the gardener's like hey there's another part of ivy that's missing we have to find her and i was thinking well what about the one that's in catwoman and of course like literally uh-huh. like just like a page or two later <laughs> that's where we go we go to the other ivy the the broken one that catwoman's got from her book and again that made it really feel like I'm feeling rewarded for reading both Batman and Catwoman. Now they're both worth re- worth reading on their own anyway because they've both been really right. good. But it really like oh no, this is actually really neatly fitting into this. Uh, but you have this idea as well. There's like a really nice emotional beat here where 
Harley is able to convince this Ivy to let these people seek asylum here when this version of Ivy, Queen Ivy, has been pretty cold and pretty yeah. nasty to people. And the guarder even says, you know, Ivy must really love you if even this part of her is, yeah. is willing to like listen to you. Um, so is that, it's actually a really sweet thing. And it, it, you know, it, it does that thing, the, the cut where it says, hey, there's a part of Ivy missing somewhere in Gotham. And we turn the page and we're in Alley Town, and it's kind of interesting that Harley has one half of Ivy and Catwoman has the other half. Yeah. It's a really, you know, you know, because of the sirens and... Yeah. Well, and I, and I love the idea, too, that it's not just... It's not Poison Ivy anymore. She's just Ivy, right? And there's Queen Ivy, and there's, you know, this Ivy. So I was like, do we put them together? Is that is that where Poison Ivy's going to come back? Like, I, I just love the differentiation between the two. You know, and it, it also goes into, I don't mean Connor read it, but the, the Harley and Ivy mini, this was kind of the crux of that, that there was two Ivies running around, you know, and, and I know that's probably not part of the story and they're disregarding that, but I like that it's the same vibe that, you know, that at the end of the day, the relationship is so strong between Ivy and Harley that even this, this impossibly evil version, you know can't help but be swayed and it's something that even swamp thing added to as well mm-hmm. uh, for that one issue where it brought up ivy so yeah. it's it's been something that it's been editorially has been well handled and that it's not been this mistake where there's multiple ivies that all feel like they're you know because this could have felt like a mistake where oh why is ivy in this book so different to the ivy in this book but there's mm-hmm. been enough references to no there's like a split of some kind or there's something weird going on and then when you get to this and it has them back to on back to back pages with a direct reference of no no the, like this Ivy is missing some of herself and vice versa. Yep. So uh really neat stuff. Uh it really incorporates the catwoman stuff into this. Uh and the fact that they're moving in on Alley Town. We even see uh Jace with his bat suit sort of yep. like you know cuz basically the news is reporting that Batman is dead. And obviously we don't believe that. Barbara doesn't believe right. it for a second cuz cuz when Babs hears that, she's like, yeah, don't, you know, or I think it's Selena, actually. When Selena hears, hey, I hear Batman's dead, and Selena's like, yeah, I don't believe everything you hear. Like, she knows. She knows not to just believe that at face value. Right. And this is where I like the parts of, of Fear State that pop, is the Batman's dead, and it's, you know, it's not what we thought it was, right? Here it's playing off that it has to do with, with Scarecrow having him, you know, uh, not prisoner, but he has him all tied up and, and you know, off did you, the board, did, if you did, did you make me say future state? I don't think you're saying. Yes, I sense. did future state again, didn't I? Uh, yeah. The, so what are we yeah. talking about? <laughs> future state. My bad. Made the future state, and then the stuff with Chase Two popping up as as a Batman. Um. Yeah, that's just kind of what I meant by it. Just it goes around all the characters that are going to be important and just kind of yep. sets them up and like, okay, this is where things are going to start. Because I I really love later on now uh, when when Toya's talking to Nakano, uh, or no, it's actually it's Simon. Simon's like basically mm-hmm. saying. No, we'll show our strength by taking over Alleytown. And because so much of Catwoman's last couple of issues has been about the fact that the forces are coming into Alleytown. Yep. This feels so well orchestrated between the books that it feels like that's been the status quo in Catwoman for a couple of issues that it doesn't just feel like out of nowhere. It feels like, oh, no, no, we've been building to that in Catwoman. And mm-hmm. now it feels like it's part of Saints' overall plans in Gotham. It just, everything just feels... Like it is part, like at least all the bat books feel like they're part of one world, and right. that just feels so satisfying. So, uh, that's neat stuff. I mean, honestly, the, the the only real critique I have of this 
is that uh, it just kind of ends on a weird, like, Batman breaks out of his <laughs> bounds yeah. and just kind of, like, is, like, you know, making a run for it. And Scarecrow's like, ah, there's no stopping it now, Batman. Ha, 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 ha. And it just yeah. says, Fear State begins. And I'm like, as an ending, that was a bit of a whimper. <laughs> like, it's yes, just, like, I, I agree. That's it. After all these teases for, for six, seven issues of Batman being held captive by Scarecrow, he literally just breaks out of his ropes and runs. <laughs> Like that easily. I don't know. It just it felt so sudden at the end of this issue. I just I want I like the idea of Scarecrow. Oh no, I'm gonna have to get him back, or he's gonna ruin this. Mm-hmm. You know, like a bumbling villain, kind of uh, deep down, like as as badass as Scarecrow has become, he's still Scarecrow, and he's like, oh shit. Well, I mean, that's one of the things that he says to Simon at the start is that you're, you're going to have to keep Batman distracted so that by the time he finds out that anything is going on, it's too late to stop it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's that's what he says at the end. You know, it's, it's too late now. Like, it doesn't matter that Batman's ran away and you know got out. Like it's too late. Like, he, I mean, he believes that. Obviously, we're going to find. I assume that there, there will be a way that he will save the day because right. it's you know comic books. But um, yeah. So that that was the thing. The, the ending left me feel a little bit whimpery, and I, I felt like yeah. because of that, it does just kind of feel like a snapshot of everything. Start. I like how Epic makes the story feel overall by going around all these different characters and how they're all going to factor in in some way. That's really neat. Uh, as an issue on its own, it's a little bit weak, especially given it doesn't really have a good ending. But right. uh, I, I still say it's essential for the overall story, and it absolutely should be in the trade with the, mm-hmm. the story, as well as the, oh. Ome- the Omega issue at the end. Yeah. but 100% it will be. Uh, but on, on its own, I'd probably give it like a 7. All right. I'm, I'm going to go a little higher. I'm going to give it 7.5. Okay. Uh, yeah, the art's good though, uh, and I, I liked all the the, the just all, all all the build. Yeah, I just I just love how the story's coming together. That's all. It's it's a feat that it's landing so well, and especially since I went back and read Catwoman, and that's all at play. Yeah, you know all that stuff showing up. So I think that's the best way to put it. Is that it feels like it's coming together. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, the, it's, the ending was just such a whimper that it just kind of left a bad taste in my mouth at the end. Yeah. So that's why it's getting a seven. <laughs> that's fair. Uh, it's like no, 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 no. Like the, 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 this is just anticlimactic at the end. But hey ho, uh, there you go. That's Batman Fear State Alpha issue one. Uh, Wonder Girl issue three. Joel Jones, both writing and on art. Mm-hmm. Uh, so obviously it's been a little while since issue two. Uh, it took yeah. me a second to remember what the hell was happening, uh-huh. uh, because I'd forgotten about the arrow at the end of last issue, where you know she was going to fall in love, mm-hmm. uh, and all the rest of it. Um, but yeah, so she just like came down with that plane uh, that had a bit of an emergency landing, shall we say? Uh, and she's with uh, is it Zhao? The, the, yeah, Zhao. Zhao, the name I can never remember. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they have a they have a kissing moment, uh, and then Arrow shows up again with with the arrow. Uh, Mm-hmm. And there's a bit of a. It gets into some mythology stuff here where she runs into the jungle and there's all these big beings. Uh, not that I'm complaining too much because the art in some of these is great. The, the, the crocodile yeah. looking one. Uh huh. <laughs> it looks great. <laughs> well, and we see her friend from, from the future state stuff too. So. Um, oh yeah, but that, that's that's later when we cut back to them. Uh, the, the, okay. I've not, not seen her yet. Uh, but gotcha. we, there's like a big sort of Sasquatch looking one with like a elite bulb as a head. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Like there's a, there's a whole bunch of things. Uh, but all all that's really good in the art. And then we cut back to uh, Cassie, um, who ends up teaming up with Artemis over the course of this issue. Uh, 
as they're fighting the other, you know, Amazons, looking for Yara. Uh, and there's kind of an uneasy alliance that's formed here where Cassie's like, hey, you know, we're both looking for the same yeah. person. Maybe we should pull our resources kind of thing. You're Artemis. He's like, yeah, don't, I don't want to talk about it. I, I love their <laughs> dynamic here. She's like, you, you seemingly are, are good enough to be on your own. Let's team up and, and find this because it, it, um, is in both of our best interests. Yeah, I don't think I knew before this book started that Cassie was going to be a supporting character, but I've been very yeah. pleasantly surprised with her inclusion yeah. so far, I think. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so you, you come back to Yara, she's pulled out her, uh, her weapon. Because mm-hmm. I've also forgotten the name of it, as she has as well, because it's a joke. Yeah. Here. Um, I it's do... like a bola, uh, lasso, you know? But I forget the name of it exactly, but, you know, it's her lasso. Yeah. Uh, I love the look in the face of the the wolf creature. Uh-huh. <laughs> the the girl <girr. laughs> looking kind of surprised uh, when he's under attack. Um, but uh, obviously Zhao's completely confused by everything that's happening. Doesn't know what's going on. Uh, but that's when Arrow mm-hmm. shows up again and actually says, "I never miss," and then just stabs her with the arrow uh, by hand, and this makes her fall for him. Uh, and stare into his eyes, and the arc is really cool here because like the 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 faces kind of like become almost like complete shadows, almost like you're playing the game uh-huh. Limbo. I don't know if anyone's played the video game Limbo. It kind of looks like that almost for a split second, for a panel or two. Um, and Zhao's like, "What's going on? Why why are you two being so pally right now?" <laughs> and she's like, "Like I'll come back for you. I promise." Uh, it's actually that this is when the friend from Future State shows up, the little character. Yep, yeah, who was giving her, like, advice and kind of, mm-hmm. kind of being this cheeky, you know, character on her shoulder almost, mm-hmm. uh, telling her what to do. Um, saying, you must stay, this is your destiny, and then the alligator creature talks. Like, I-, I don't know if Connor would have insight into any of this mythology stuff. There's a lot of weird stuff mm-hmm. going on here. Um, but basically, she does agree to go with Eros. Um mm-hmm. Because she's been pulled in three directions. You know, Zhao's saying, come back to right. the, the living world. Uh, these right. creatures are saying, you know, come into the mystical world of the jungle. But Eros is saying, no, I've got something to show you. Come with me. And she even cries a little bit as she makes the choice. She goes with Eros, uh, mm-hmm. promises that she'll be back. And uh, we do cut back to Cassie and Artemis at this point, who fight some more Amazons. It may even be the same Amazons at this point. Yeah, they're the, they're the Amazonian Amazons. The Amazonian um, Amazons, yes. Yeah. How could I forget that? So that's not yes. confusing at all. Um, but then we go to where Eros is taking uh, Yara, which is Olympus. Olympus. Uh, and the end of the issue is that he's going to introduce her to Hera. So mm-hmm. we don't know what their motivations are as of yet. Um, you know, I, I, I think the key thing for me in this issue is that I don't necessarily understand all the mythology stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. I will say, though, it was a very easy read and the art was very, very pretty. And I'm mm-hmm. still into the core important thing, which is the characters. Specifically, uh, Yara herself and Cassie are kind of the anchors right now, where I'm enjoying their journey, I'm enjoying their story. Um, I do think that by the end of this arc, it has to be a bit more solidified, where I have to understand what the, the goals are of the various parties involved mm-hmm. to try to get her. But at least right now, it is kind of this mystery of like, okay, why does everyone think she's so important? Maybe next issue is the time Hera herself might be the one to tell her, hey, this is why you're a big deal, and this is why everyone's coming after you, and this is why 
these different forces want to lure you to their side or just kill you to stop you from doing whatever you're going to do. That, that's kind of where we need to be going soon. But... Yeah, uh, just because I want to know... So we know that... We know that Hera always... Like, she's an em- enemy of the Amazons, right? Like, she's never gotten along with Diana, even before Diana was uh, Zeus's actual daughter. Um, so it's just... I, I wonder what the goal is here, because she wants Yara to be her champion, right? Like, that's... She has great plans for her, because uh, that's her new benefactress. Um, and, and I think it's interesting, too, that Hera sent Eros... And not Hermes, right? Because Hermes is traditionally the messenger of the gods. Um, but so she sent, you know, the 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 god of love to come and and yeah, so yeah, I don't know what the plan is three issues in, but I'm here for whatever it's gonna be. Yeah. Uh no, I, I enjoyed the issue. It's kinda of, it's kinda of one of these things where I think on its own, because we've waited so long for it, because there was such a big gap between issue two and three. Is that it was hard to get back into it a little bit at the start because it was like, oh, what the hell even happened last issue? But it, it did all come back like very quickly. Like once mm-hmm. I once I saw the plane, I was like, oh yeah, that's right, and that's right, and the arrow, and okay, 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 I, I'm you know I'm getting all the, the the gist of it again. But it took a little bit of a minute. But I will say, like so far, the one thing I'll say about these issues of Wonder Girl is that they have been so easy to read. They're, they're so nice to look at. Mm-hmm. The dialogue is never overbearing. It's not too wordy. It feels just right, and the cat and Yara, and by extension Cassie as well, are both so likable. Mm-hmm. You know, I, 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 it's just it's very hard to look at this book before I read it and think anything other than, oh, this will be an easy time. This this will be a pleasant yeah. experience because it's, it's almost uh, too breezy. Uh, you know? I mean, you like, could argue that. I, I get to the end, and I feel like there should be more, even though all the pages are full. Like, there's nothing. I'm not getting ripped off, but I just like. The way as quick as it moves, you know, and for for the delays that it's had, which I'll, I'll wait for the delays. That's fine. Oh, for sure. You know, I just want more now. At yeah. the end of the day. Yeah, I mean, I still, I mean, issue one's, but the future state issue is still my favorite issue of any like, mm-hmm. this Yara stuff yet. Um, issue two was probably the weakest issue of the three. Um. Mm-hmm. Not that I'm going to rank every issue of this as it comes out, but I, I'm just in the, in the context of my own head, like I'm, I'm just thinking about where I, where I feel about this as an individual issue, and it is good. Um, mm-hmm. But even even saying it that way sounds like a negative. And I, right. I don't mean it to, I, no. <laughs> because it is actually very good. Uh, it's just like no, we need, we need to sort of solidify like where we're going, mm-hmm. and I, I guess it's. It, do you know what this has? It has the pacing of something that's going to read wonderfully in trade. Like, yep, 100%. When, when, you, when you can read the first six issues of this back to back, this is going to be such an easy, quick six issue read, and it'll probably feel great when you read it that way. It's a monthly book. It's a little... I don't want to say decompressed, per se, because I wouldn't say that... Well, maybe a little bit, but it, it it's, it's... Yeah, it just it feels like something that's it's paced leading a little mm-hmm. bit more towards his trade than individual issues, but yeah, uh, still very, very, very good. So uh, what, what are you giving Wonder Girl issue 3? 8.5. I'll just go with a solid 8. I'll go with a solid 8 uh, for, for me. Um, but there you go. Well, that's actually the last book. 
Believe it or not, mm-hmm. we're, we're, we're already done with the books. Uh, but don't worry, we tangent you for like half an hour at the start, so it's still over two yeah. hours long. Uh, no one's getting shortchanged. And, and, and that 100 page was like three books in one, so... That's true. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, it's very cool. Um, that takes out the part of the show where we pick our favourites of the week, favourite panel slash moment, favourite cover, uh, favourite art, and top five books, or in this case it'll be top four, because there was only yeah. four. So week yeah. five. So weird week. What do you want from me? Mm-hmm. Uh, so we'll start off with a panel slash moment. Uh, what do you have, Matt? So so it'd be easy to pull something from Wonder Girl, but in the sake of diversifying, mm-hmm. I'm gonna go with the page that made me laugh, and that's of, of Bones in his old cool suit uh, with the crash remains, yelling at at, uh, at why am I drawing a blank on her name? Uh, Chase. Chase. Thank you. That she messed everything up. And he just, he looks like an evil skull pirate. And I love it. Yeah. Uh, panel slash moment for me. That's just... Hmm. I think I probably have to go with uh, an Aquaman, uh, the Dan Water story. I'm thinking when Orm's coming, he's, he's just like a little figure in the middle of a storm coming for the shore. Mm-hmm. Uh, really, really nice moment. That's a good one. I think that's what I have to go with this week. Um... So there we go. Uh, cover of the week. Do you have anything at the ready for that? Oh yeah, it's the Wonder Girl variant. I've not had a chance to look. Usually, usually I look when there's a book when I've not read, and it's just you or yeah. you and Connor talking. I'll look at all the covers, but obviously I didn't have a chance this week. Yeah. Uh, Wonder Girl variant is very nice. Uh, that is for sure. I'm just double checking to see if there's anything else that I would rather pick. Because <laughs> it's possible. Oh, what's this Batman? I mean, there's there's a bunch of Aquaman ones too, right? Like. Oh well, okay. I love that that Wonder Girl variant is wonderful. No pun uh-huh. intended. But there is a Matina Batman variant that where oh, Batman's up in a like a pole, like a scarecrow, and it is like beautiful. So I'm gonna go with that. <laughs> there you go. Matina's an easy pick. It's very rare. I don't yep. pick a Matina cover when there's one on, uh, available. But uh, easy choice this this week for me. Uh, all right, best art of the week, Matt. Uh, Wonder Girl. Yeah, shout out to uh, uh, Federici because I, I thought that was very good too. But yeah, yeah I'll, I'll I'll also say Wonder Girl. I think I think that's the, the all one. these Ivy covers I missed. Uh, yeah, none of them are as good as that Wonder Girl variant. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I I didn't look beforehand. All right, rank your books, Matt. Uh, number one, Wonder Girl. Number two, Fear State. Number three, Infinite Frontier. And a, 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 a low, 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 low for Aquaman. Yeah, I'm also going to go with Wonder Girl at number one. Um, and then I'll go with... Yeah, Fear State number two, I think. And then... Infinite Frontier number three. And then, yeah, Distant Force <laughs> is the Aquaman special. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, not an amazing week. And it's not, it wasn't like a terrible week by any means, but like everything... Like, Infinite Frontier, which I'm enjoying, Fear State stuff, which I'm really enjoying, Wonder mm-hmm. Girl, which I'm really enjoying, they all had not their best issue, if that makes sense. So it feels yeah. a bit underwhelming as a week as a whole, but hey, you're going to have them sometimes. And it's a week five, so it's not like there's a lot of other books to, you know, rise above <laughs> and be, be the, the special ones, but hey, it is what it is. But hey, I will tell you what is coming next week from DC Comics uh, right now. So coming next mm-hmm. week, we got Batman 112, so we get the, the first proper part of Fear State. Mm-hmm. Super exciting. 
We have Batman Catwoman issue 7. We have Infinite Frontier issue 6. Oh, we get that. Oh man, next week's got some big books. Uh, yeah. Nice House in the Lake issue 4. Swamp Thing issue 7. Uh, Suicide Squad issue 7. Swamp. Sorry. Suicide Squad 2021 annual issue 1. Uh, I guess that got delayed. Uh, because of yeah. the delays. Uh, Green Lantern 2021 annual issue 1. That also. Yeah, that was maybe this week and got pushed back. As well as Green Lantern issue 6. Blue and Gold issue 2. Uh, Suicide Squad get Joker issue 2 Joker presents the puzzle box issue 2 Just League Infinity issue 3 Sensational Wonder Woman issue 7 Black Manta issue 1 Crushing Lobo issue 4 and uh, Conjuring the Lover issue 4 so definitely the biggest week we've had in a little while uh, next yeah. week uh, by I mean, I mean it's not like a super it's not like overwhelmingly big but it's definitely bigger than any of the recent weeks because we've had a few weeks with like 6 books give or take uh, this is maybe more up in the 8 and 9 range um, which is fine. So, but hey, uh, that's what's coming next week. Um, yeah, I, I, you know what? There's a lot to look forward to. I think Batman, Infinite Frontier, the Ice House and the Lake Swamp thing, uh, are all big stuff that I'm looking forward to. For for sure, and just to let you know that Jessica Cruz on the cover of the Green Lantern Annual. How about you go and fuck yourself? <laughs> No thanks. <laughs> I think that's from the Hangover, where, where what's her name at the end tells him to go f himself, and he goes, "No, thank you." Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I've only seen that movie once, and it was mediocre. So I never watched that again. Oh uh, no, I love the Hangover. That movie of makes you laugh. Do. Uh, <laughs> ten, eleven years later, there's some jokes that do not land. Oh, uh, so some dodgy same with Monster Squad. Oh man, oh. Monster Squad has some content that you're like, oh yeah, this is this is the late '80s. Well, for I mean, sure. at least when you go back to the '80s and early '90s, yeah. like, you're like it's decades yeah. ago, so you expect yes. stuff to have. Not, but I mean, Hangover's only over a decade old. Like that yeah, should I not know. be that aged if it's. Yeah, there's certain things. I mean, not the whole thing, but there's certain certain jokes. Are we, and are words we talking and sexism and homophobia? Are those the the topics? Oh, uh, not so much the sexism. Definitely the homophobia. Definitely. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So. All right. All right, I'm not going to watch it to find out myself. So yeah, I mean, it does have Alan when when uh, when when Ed Helms is freaking out about marrying a stripper, and and he yells, "Hey, she's a nice lady," like you know. It's all right. Sorry, Matt. Still good moments. I know you have bad taste in comedies. It's fine. I do not. Yes, you do. No, I have great taste in comedy. Thank you. You like Jackass? I rest my case. So. <laughs> yes, a hundred percent. I rest my case. I'm so sad. The case is rest. Re- yeah. Rested. <laughs> the, the if, you can't, if you can't watch a dude, you hit the nuts and laugh. I don't know, Pete. You remember our dueling? We had dueling reviews for Bad Grandpa. I did remember so, that. That was an atrocious film. It was terrible. That was great. He got his. He it got was, a fake weeder stuck in a. It in was a unbearably unfunny. Is what that movie was. No. It was so stupid they, yeah they threw grandma's dead body into the river that that was it, it was like a really bad attempt at borat is what that was it was like a crappy mm. jackass version of borat at least at terrible. least you find borat funny there there's that well borat, well borat is funny and borat especially i thought the second one was an even better movie because the second one had more of an arc it had like a, a, yeah. a nice moral to it <laughs> at the yeah. top of all the satire yeah. and the comedies it obviously already had but anyway yeah. Uh, well, there you go. That that's what's coming next week from DC Comics. Obviously not mm-hmm. Borat 
or bad grandpa, no. but what, what I said before. Uh, so very nice, very nice. Half half. My brother used to sit on any any elevated surface and yell, "King in the castle, king in the castle." <laughs> <laughs> he was like twelve at the time, so it landed even better. I have uh, a chair. Uh, good, good talk, good talk. Hey, hey give us that list of Patreon names. Yes, I should thank uh, our, our yeah. patrons for the month. Our patron producers, specifically. Thank you to Tyler Hess, Cindy Palacios, David Sharp, Bordeno, Al Traisman, Christopher Moy, David Brown, and Stanley. Stanley! Excelsior. I wonder if he loves or hates that you do that. I'm curious. He's not, he's not complained, so... That means he loves it. He's probably cool with it, but... I'm almost hoping for a complaint, just so I can... Give you shit for it, <laughs> um, yeah. but yes, uh, you know if you give me shit for it, I'm just gonna do it more. Yeah, that's true. That's how, that's how I operate. But that is our Patreon patrons. But thank you to our patrons, of course. You can support us over at Patreon.com/slash/MailFlyTV and help keep all the content coming. Uh, you can, of course, support everything we do completely for free, though, with some simple little things. If you're watching on YouTube on the comments from the Multiverse channel. Uh, simply hit the like button, comment, and subscribe. Ding the bell for notifications. All those things do help out a lot on YouTube. If you're listening on iTunes or whatever podcast app you're using, if you can give us a five-star review uh, on there, that'd be great. Helps us out a lot. And also share us out. Get us on Twitter at DC Comics Podcast. And I should also mention, I I should promote uh, some content that has started this week. Mm -hmm. Uh, One of our loyal long-term listeners, David, um, who does a little bit of work on the YouTube channel. He's the one who splits up the show uh, for the individual videos um, because he's a kind soul. Um, but he uh, had this crazy idea because for some reason he decided to buy over, oh, and this took him a while, right? But over a, a number of years, he bought every single trade for the New 52. Every single series that came out in the New 52, he purchased in Mad trade. Man. And he hadn't read any of it yet. He had stacks and stacks of these trades and he hadn't read any of them yet. And he says, I've got this idea. I want to do a show which is basically a one-man comics for the multiverse where he reads every single New 52 book exactly 10 years after they came out. So the first episode, which is very short, because that first week, if you remember back to the start of New 52, that first week was just Justice mm-hmm. League 1, right? That was the first week. Uh, yep. So that, that first ep- episode, Zero is what he called it, uh, went up on YouTube this week. There is now an audio feed as well. If you search the not-so-new the not 52 is the title of the show. If you search for that on iTunes or wherever, you should find it now. You can find it on the College of the Multiverse YouTube channel, of course. Uh, so mm-hmm. that would up. So I think that'll be. Is that going to be every Tuesday? That's kind of funny how it's worked out that the new comic book day now is exactly the same as it was back then. But obviously yeah, it was weird. Wednesday back then. Yeah, that's weird. Uh, but yeah, so it was Tuesday anyway this week. So I, I presume it will still be on he's, Tuesday. He's a madman. He's willful. We were not. We did not know. He knows. <laughs> I know. Do you know what's so funny about it is that you know the first one's like sixteen minutes because it's just that one yeah. issue. It's kind of yeah. but he put a little bit of effort into it. There's some editing at the start. There's a nice little yeah. sort of you know bit of like setup for it, right? But at the end of it, he like gives he does what we do at the end of this. He gives the list of what's coming next week, mm-hmm. and it's thirteen books. Yeah, he's going yeah, to that was read the thing. <laughs> thirteen books uh, every week. Yeah, so for fifty-two books a month. Yeah, for, for, for quite some time. Eventually, it went a little bit lower than that, but it stayed at 52 a month for a yeah. long time. Yeah. So, uh, 
yeah, he's a madman. He's a raving madman. But uh, check it out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> check it out. Um, so yes, uh, and our Patreon producers get credited at the end of that as well because uh, we're di- we're distributing the show. It's under the Male Fuzz Comics of the Multiverse banner. Uh, but that is uh, David that's doing that. So go and check out the new show. Uh, if you're interested in someone suffering through the new Fifty Two, because <laughs> I, I I wasn't going to sign up for it. Maybe I'll cameo oh. occasionally as a joke or something. But I I ain't working through all that shit again. <laughs> you kidding me? Um, but there you go. That's uh that's the show. That's uh, episode two six nine. Um, nice. Zinni, <sighs> get it in there. It's not even. It's not even just sixty nine though. It's two six nine. Nice. Doesn't matter. I mean, are you reading this as like there's two sixty nines happening side by side? (laughs) Double the trouble. (laughs) I really, I really, my stomach's bubbling, man. We got to wrap this up. Are you hungry? You ready? Uh, No, the other, the other. Oh, the opposite. You. Yeah. It's time to evacuate. Okay. Uh huh. Um, Oh yeah, my house might have to evacuate if I don't make it. This has been Comments from the Multiverse. Thank you for joining us. Uh, if you happen to be into uh, wrestling, enjoy All Out this weekend, which is mm-hmm. happening. It's exciting. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. So, you know, that's what's happening this Sunday night. Uh, but thank you very much for joining us. Once again, we always appreciate it. Keep reading DC Comics. And remember to never get lost in the Speed Force.